are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. Suck it up, Buttercup. Mia O'Brien. My nose just decided to start bleeding. And Leon Searcy. Now you're yeah. just talking Tom yeah. Boogery now. Yeah. How you like me now? Welcome in another beautiful day on the First Coast. Warming up nicely. Hopefully everybody is running, getting it done. First half of your day complete. We've got the next three hours with you right here on XL Primetime. Uh, a beautiful day, and, and I hope it just spills into more. That old Poxitani Phil, the groundhog, told us it was only going to be three more weeks of winter. So I'm all about it, uh, and we are definitely enjoying some sunshine right here on the First Coast. Now, I look around. We got our crew ready to rock and roll. Uh, but earlier today, one, I don't know, Johnny James uh, – one, uh, J.J. La Selva got on a big bird to go across the pond. And I don't know if we have our sound bite when they get on a plane because that's something we will require from our new fearless leader in there. But he got on a plane. He's coming back, folks. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. He's not gone forever. So he got on a plane to, to go to Italy. Uh, and this is the long overdue honeymoon with he and his wife, Blake. So round of applause <laughs> for uh, J.J. and Blake. They are off and running. And so I, there it is. Hey. There it is. All right, we got the round go. of applause too, yeah. Denmark. You got yeah. that one? So he's already passing the test. So Denmark is with us for the next 10 He's a little days. late on the draw, actually, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal I with it. I have to put yeah. in my B-bar real quick. Yeah, you'll find yeah, it. You'll we'll find it. it. But he <laughs> stays with a little overtime duty after Jaguars today to handle XL prime time. So welcome in, Denmark. <laughs> we appreciate it, bro. Uh, you are here ready to rock and roll. And uh, we're here on a Thursday, so I'll at least get you going with a – this is new for Denmark, but a little Modelo Yellow to get you going. Beginning of our weekend right here on XL Primetime. Last night, the Florida Gators go to overtime on the road against a very good Crimson Tide team. Started red hot, did not necessarily finish red hot. And we all know there's certain things that you just have to find on the road digging deep. But this is now a couple of key contests against top teams in the SEC world, they've come out on top against Kentucky on the road in overtime, but they didn't do it last night against the Alabama Crimson Tide. I was bummed. I was bummed. It was one of those things where, like, you looked up. I want to say it was, like, with six minutes to go, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're up 72-64, and you're like, oh, man, like, yeah. is Taking Florida going to pull this out? Credit to Todd Golden. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, you Gator fans driving around Jacksonville right now know we do a good amount of Gator bashing at times on this program. Credit where credit is due to Scott Strickland for hiring Todd Golden because he was masterful until they got to the overtime, which we're going to get to in a second, because it wasn't about just chucking up threes. It wasn't about hero shots. It wasn't, oh, my God, look at us hanging with an Alabama team that many people have projected to go to the Final Four in Tuscaloosa. It was, we're going to run our offense, we're going to utilize our height in the paint, and we're going to run around it. And, And that was what was so impressive was like, not only did they not back down, but it was actual strategical plays they were running, Josie. It wasn't uh-huh. just one player who was meteoric. 
Then they got to the overtime, and that's where they had the three empty looks back to back to back, and they're just and, pulling up from three-point range, 35 yeah. feet out, and that's where you were like, okay, maybe the nerves got to them a little bit there. Nerves maybe, fatigue maybe. It's a, it, There is a good environment uh, that they've created in Tuscaloosa in basketball, if you can believe it, uh, but then also the possession right before at the end of regulation that allowed it to go. And Logden. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. not going to forget his name now. Yeah. And, and, and I do want to note that Sears, yeah. the point guard for Alabama, like, I think he's a top three really point guard in the country right now. He's averaging 20 points per game. You held him to six in the first half. That's a victory any way you look at it. I know he goes off in the second half of the second half. But when you're, again, like a potential All-American, those things yeah. are going to happen. But you think about it, Matt. You hold Sears down and you open up with a bunch of big threes. Just You're just uncorking them and, and canning them from distance. And so they were at least in a position where they were kind of controlling this bad boy on the road, which we all know if you start looking at the way the – just the basketball world goes, uh, see UConn uh, v. Creighton, the one we were talking about yesterday. Anyway, they were controlling a lot of it early, and then they just couldn't couldn't hang and on. And did it without Kugel. He played three yeah. minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's, I, I mean they, they can shoot the ball. I think that's the key, and they're long, and they can rebound. And they got out-rebounded last night, which was, you know, it's not it's not a shock when you go on the road in the league. It's, it's a, you know, those games are very difficult to win. I don't care who you're mm-hmm. playing in the, yeah. on the road in that league. So, yeah, I mean, I, I – I, I, if I'm a Florida fan and I'm watching them last night, I'm thinking, all right, well, we can shoot the ball, which as opposed to the last four or five years oh is, gosh, is yes. yeah. 180 degrees different. So I think that's a start. Um, here's another thing, too. They played a really good team. Yeah. Yes. A really good yes. team that could, that could make the Final Four on the road, and they were up at one point. They were up double digits in the second half. Well, so I, I think, you know, they didn't have a dance for Grant Nelson, who I think, by the way, that dude, mm-hmm. that's one of the best players in college basketball. I'll tell you that right now. He so, is a that that's a dude. Yeah, and so you're talking about multiple guys on Alabama yeah, wearing the crimson yeah. that are one of the best players in college basketball. Now we're going to stay on this game, and then I want to bring up at least um, Andy Katz is just one of them as far as seeds and whatnot, and things are going to be changing constantly. But, but we are like, yeah. I mean, we are two weeks out. I'm doing the math in my head. Two weeks out Before from the, we, the mid majors yeah, having their conference exactly. tournaments and then two, three weeks out from the power fives. Yeah. And the players now lines up with the conference championship uh, weekend, which is also great. Now, as we talk about this game, I look over and I see the you from Leon and he was forced to watch a little Miami Duke. Uh, I, I, I was, I was, it was very discouraging you hate watch. All right, because I was at the watering hole. They had all the, all the <laughs> games on Miami Duke. And then I, I, listen, I was intrigued about the Florida game. Yeah. Every time I saw on the ticker, I saw y'all in the lead. So then when they showed the highlights, I saw threes raining. I saw Duncan. I was like, okay, Florida, I see you yeah. on the road against Alabama. I mean, y'all should, if you're a Florida fan, you should be encouraged. You go into the tournament, a one game elimination. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Matt, the ability to shoot threes. I mean, guard you can be, play. You can, guard play. Guard that's that's the key in the, in the NCAA in the tournament. Guard play. Yeah, and the fact that they can score mm-hmm. outside, they can score quickly, they can score in transition. There's just a lot of good things, and they do have size inside. They got to get a little more physical, but they got size inside. The size inside. Let's go back to Florida's <laughs> first quad one win of the year. What two mm-hmm. weeks ago when they beat Kentucky in mm-hmm. Lexington? Three weeks ago now. Yeah. And what was the big thing that John Calipari said? The reason they didn't foul mm-hmm. was because. Florida is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And when he said it, I like looked and I'm like, are you really like, like, really? You saw it last night. I know they got out rebounded, but how many times did they have second chance opportunities because of those guys in the paint that accept, hey, maybe outside of the pick and roll, I may not be the primary scoring option, Mm -hmm. but if I can create scoring options for these guards outside, 
that changes the complexity of our mm-hmm. offense yeah. as he, opposed to just simply clogging up the paint. Yeah, and, and possessions spe- alive. And, and speaking of Kentucky, I know Matt, you're not you're not going to be happy mm-hmm. with this. Uh, I was watching the LSU and Kentucky game, and LSU won and they stormed the court. I thought about you as soon as it happened. <laughs> they didn't just storm the court, Leon. We got to go. That's that's another game that we got. Did you yeah. see the highlights yeah. from this I, one, Joe? I, I did not. I, I didn't did stay not. up for it because I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, listen, LSU is coming off of a dramatic one-point victory over a then-11th-ranked South Carolina. Ain't mm. no way, even at home, that they're going to take care of Kentucky. Kentucky thinks they turned a corner. They thumped Auburn on Saturday. They think they're in the driver's seat, and they're going to surprise everybody and make the Final Four. So, LSU is up four with a minute to play. Kentucky came back to take a two-point lead. And you got to go watch this, folks, if you haven't on social media or YouTube. Oh, yeah, the last second shot. The last second shot. was crazy. They missed the three. There's a scramble around the net. Somehow he gets the teardrop floater off. It goes through the cylinder. He knew it was good. He takes off running. The first player, or, or should I say, not player, the first fan to rush the court is national champion, women's basketball star Angel Reese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see it on the broadcast. And she gets trampled. And then she tweeted about it and said, it was so much fun to be trampled. <laughs> I don't care. I'm so proud. Go Tigers. And there you go. That's another student that absolutely loves it. She and, did not read yeah. the Matt Hayes pamphlet before yeah. she stepped out onto She's the court. She's not going to be so yeah. proud if she gets trampled and blows her ACL. Well, okay? Come on. Now let's not go farther than we already have gone with the shivs. Now we've got injuries. <laughs> Uh, to the knees and so on with future earnings rights uh, being jeopardized. The uh, I'm going to predict the court stormer now uh, in Gainesville uh, against uh, Roll Tide. Uh, and we already have Roll Tide all fired up today, too. So uh, It should be noted. They're I mean, not gonna, they are not going to storm the court in Gainesville. They don't do anything no, like he's, that No, but he's calling for the upset. Yeah. In case you missed yesterday's yeah. program, folks, our hope here on XL Primetime, yeah. J.J. will not be back from Italy yet. Our hope is that when Alabama – comes to the O-Dome for the final regular season home game of 2024. They are ranked number one in the nation. Nine mm-hmm. o'clock tip on a Tuesday night. We will go down there and we will hand out pamphlets that say, what would Matt Hayes do? Yep. So the Florida fans, those Gator Rowdies, when they see it in the <clears throat> distance, they see the victory over the top ranked Crimson Tide. Storm. They're not oh, storming the court. Storm. Well, I mean, li- listen, there's reasons to storm the court. What was the buzzer be there? I mean, mm-hmm. Florida, yeah, like last yeah. night. Yeah, what was the buzzer beater? Three point shot goes in. They win by one. Yeah, they gotta go crazy. Not who they they're are. Gonna go, they they're gonna go crazy, they bro. On the court, they just don't. Hey, yeah, they they're don't gonna tell that seventeen year old freshman not to run in the in the court. No, I'm telling you, they have cops and stuff around. They don't no. storm the court. Yeah, they won't saying. allow it. But no. the rowdy reps, they every once in a while they need to get a little unhinged. You know, a little gator tail. Scott Strickland knows there. what he's doing. He knows like yeah. there's you know. You never know what's happening in that crowd, man. I would like to also note Look, that- Scott won't say this publicly, but yeah. I can guarantee you when I say Shiv, he'd go, yeah, you better believe it, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, See, that's the same God. thing straight out of Jeremy Foley Bible. It is. Yes, it is. Yes. Always worried Here's the thing. It. So, don't forget that Florida, before they really found themselves in the last month of the season on the basketball court, they came within an overtime. No, it wasn't overtime because they were 3-0 and in overtime. The last second loss to Kentucky mm-hmm. at the O-Dome, yeah. they turned around two weeks later and they turned that into a victory at Rupp Arena. Who's to say lightning can't strike twice? Well, if they can do it. Now, look, in between, they, they blew a big double-digit lead against Texas A&M. They had to struggle like mothers to make sure that they get out of Athens with a win. So, anyway, they're right now trending in a good direction. Oh, I'm okay? telling you, they'll blow Alabama out in Gainesville. Yeah, it, It'll it, be like Auburn, same thing. Yeah, if that happens, because if they can start to take control of their own barn – 
which they definitely have done that against Auburn. They haven't been able to do it against everybody else, but if they start to do that, then hell yeah, that is a huge, huge they're, plus for they're them. They're as good a team right now oh my gosh, as Alabama, yes, yes, and they yeah. should have won on the road and didn't. Right, so right. they'll play really well at home. So right Alabama. now, if you're just breaking it down, and this is Andy Katz, this is, not, uh, you know, this is nothing more than every single week you're trying to put out something as far as where you think the, the, the tournament is headed. Nine teams from the SEC. Nine getting in, with Alabama being obviously one of the bigs, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Then you go to the same number coming out of the Big 12 with Baylor, BYU, Houston. Of course, that's the uh, Big 12 has increased their, their conference uh, uh, member schools over the last couple of years, but the bottom line is they have a chance to take nine, a uh, half dozen for the Big 10, half dozen for, for the uh, – Mountain West, I, ACC. I, I, only I was going to say, four. how many for the ACC? Joe? Only four. They, and this is again, Andy Katz right now is Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and I, I. The ACC ain't what they used to be. At least it's not proving to be the way it was for many, many, many years, even decades. You knew you were going to have a lot of big time blue bloods, Tobacco Road, all of them being represented one way or another. You don't see a Wake Forest anymore. You don't see. NC State anymore. You don't see nearly as many of them. Anyway, four for the ACC, four for the Big East, uh, the AAC, a couple, and then the Pac-12. The only Mountain West, though. Standing. Five, right? Yeah. Mountain West? Uh, yeah, actually, he had six. How six? many in the Big Ten? Big Ten had six. So you got uh, mm-hmm. Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Mountain West, Boise State, Colorado State, New Mexico, San Diego State, and the Ags. Of Utah State. New Mexico, a big win over Colorado State mm-hmm. last anyway, night uh, by a bucket. That, yeah. So, and here's the thing. Like, to the ACC point, because I mm-hmm. did a call-in with South Florida Radio about this, too, this morning. The ACC is just not doing itself any favors. Because just when you felt like, okay, you know what? Miami may be collapsing. Sorry, Leon. Florida State's not what it used to be. Louisville is the absolute dumpster fire of the Power Fives right now. Virginia, the 2019 National Champions, and Tony Bennett rattle off eight straight wins. And you think, okay. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Little momentum. They lose at Pitt or lose against home against Pitt. Eh, it's a little concerning. They won on Saturday against Wake Forest. The score at halftime was 22-21. I understand Tony Bennett is known for defense. 22-21, final score Virginia 49, Wake Forest 47. Are you ready for this stat? Virginia becomes the first team since 2004 to make one free throw in a game with 10 or more opportunities at the line and still win a ball game. One? Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And look, Bennett's been. That's where I look been, at it and yeah. I'm like, this ACC bias, sorry, Leon, like it's probably well founded. Like. Well, now. And yeah. I think Wake Forest is a halfway decent team, but, yeah, but still. They're not, yeah, they're not in there right now. And Virginia is one of their calling cards. Right. That's what I'm saying. If that's and your they, calling card, yeah. a team that went one of 11 from the line and then has gone into the NCAA tournament and quickly exited the NCAA tournament. They were a quick out this past year, too. Uh, so that's where that's where they are, It's honestly. a credit to our, our friend of the program, Greg Sankey, and what the SEC has been able to do, investing in basketball over the last 10 years, investing in all of their sports. Yeah. The fact that they would have nine bids and the conference that was, quote-unquote, the basketball conference, mm-hmm. which really I think it's the Big 12, but that's a story for another time, has four, potentially three. I give them a ton of credit. And schools, Matt, schools have basically said we're investing our resources into that second revenue producing sport. We're going to make sure that we got a good product we can trot out, which Alabama, I did not think that was ever really going to happen. And now it's consistently 
out there. Arkansas did it way back when, now starting to bring it back. No, but let's also know. be be you know genuine about it is yeah. NIL's helped. Yeah. Player movements helped. Yeah. You know, you can now add guys that immediately will impact your team. But wouldn't you also say the hiring of marquee coaches? Because yeah, sure. Th- there have been a I, lot I mean, absolutely, of, yeah. Yeah, a lot of big names have come into this conference in the last decade. I, I don't think that's – I don't think that's – I think you're completely right about yeah. that. My whole thing is, is if you can start adding guys like the guards they've added, if you're Alabama and you can add Grant Nelson, mm-hmm. that that's like – I mean, that's instant – Sure. Not only instant offense, that's instant respectability. Instant where, oh, oh my God, that's we got to we got to worry about that guy. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're an opponent, you know what I mean. Like you're there's there's no answer for a guy who's six eleven, can handle the ball, can shoot on, on the perimeter, and can dribble drive like mm-hmm. Nelson. There's no answer for that guy. Yeah, none. Yeah, he had five blocks last night too. Yeah, and, and that's what you want. Those types of players. And to he's from North Dakota State. Yeah, and and Nate. Oates that's my favorite thing to do, interest. by the way, in college yeah. basketball these days. When I watch a game. The first thing I do is I go to their roster and I scroll and I say, "Oh, they were Where at is he from? this school. Right. Yeah, they were at this school. Yeah, they were at this." School. That's what's changed the SEC as much as anything is well, if you start yeah. getting impact transfer guys. I agree with that. I just love the fact that you you look around and you have Barnes and Musselman and Oates and you have a lot of really quality coaches that have been brought in uh, in recent history. That's for sure. All right, uh, we'll stay on that, but let's get to the college coach or excuse me, the Jaguars coaching staff. Uh, Leon, they filled out this coaching staff, and it's not like there's a bunch of recognizable names, but the bottom line is after the big clean house week after the regular season ended, so here we were, second week of January, and Doug Peterson says, pack your bags, pack your bags, pack your bags, wipes out a lot of the defensive staff, gets rid of uh, Bernie Parmley, burn the uh, running backs coach, one of the offensive linemen. Anyway, they fill that roster what do you think happens now as far as – Well, I mean, now, you know, now the coaching staff has got to get acclimated, you know, to, to, to what Doug, the program they're running. You know, mm-hmm. we, believe it or not, in a couple of months from now, I mean, you're going to be – guys going to be back here working out, training, getting ready for OTAs, getting yep. ready for mini camps and all that kind of stuff. you got the combine coming up. I'm pretty sure the coaching staff is going to be, you know, they're going to be checking out guys, you know, at the combine, you know, Who's running well? Who's who's doing these drills well and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. It's just an acclimation process. These coaches gonna get acclimated to just the pro- and, and most of the coaches are already experienced in that kind of thing. It's just about what kind of program that Doug is gonna run, and they want to be a part of it, and uh, they want to make sure that the the transition. Doug wants to make sure the transition into the the Jaguars organization is a smooth one. Right. And then the next thing you know, within the next couple of weeks is over the next couple of months, you know, the players will start coming in, and then now the players are going to get reacclimated to the, the new coaching staff. Yeah, the one thing that's uh, kind of a begging question, I don't know that we know the answer to this, of course, but how easy is it to get used to a new set of eyes on you, a, a, a new position coach, a new well, coordinator? Well, it's just it's – just, it's all about – with anything, it's about building relationships. You know, you, you know, as a play – as a coach, you're going to let the player know what your expectations are. Yeah. And then as a player, you want to make sure that the communication lines are there. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what you want from me – as a coach, and then as a player, you're going to make sure, hey, there's a communications. If if there's any flaw in the – make sure there's no flaw in the communication of what your your expectations are of me. Right. That's what has always been the case when, when I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to make sure that the the the, communi- the streamlines between mm-hmm. me and my coach were, were clear. Yeah. Hey, Leon, are you going to be here uh, <laughs> doing uh, the training and stuff like that? No, nah, coach, you know, nah, coach, I'm not going to be here. I, I usually train in Miami. And it was cool in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was cool because as long as you came back in shape, there's no question. 
A little different here in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me TC wasn't buying that. TC me, said, I need you here. Is yeah. there really that much of a difference as far as position coaches? like, Or is it when you're at that level, you've got to be motivated on your own to, to, to reach your oh, ceiling? Absolutely. I, I, listen, I never, needed, I never needed a coach to motivate me, to be quite honest, because I always wanted to be the best. And if I fell short of that, I would know. I would be honest enough with myself to know, to say to myself, hey, Leon, you ain't giving it your all. You know, so I mean, if you got to be motivated by your, your professionals, you paid you paid handsomely. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there are some assistants who who see things differently than other yeah, assistants true, too, right? Absolutely, that true. can help you a little more. That could help you a little bit more. Yeah, right. yeah. But I mean, I, I always like to I like to come in seasoned. You know, it's, you know, seasoned meat and unseasoned meat is different. You know, so I use I like to come in seasoned. So when you cook me, you taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. All right, so what else do we know about these guys? When we're looking at a total of 10 that are either new or moved up in positions that were in the building. What I really like is as they're going through, because, of course, there's a nice little write-up on Jaguars.com of mm-hmm. all the coaching staff additions, yeah. so read all those little blurbs. But as you know, you're going through Ryan Nielsen, Chris Richard. I want to get to him in just a second. Mm-hmm. Matt House, the inside linebackers coach, talks about his time at LSU, his time with Kansas City. Oh, and, and then there's this little blurb. Leon, are you ready? Mm-hmm. House spent three seasons at the University of Kentucky where he coached Jaguars outside linebacker Josh Allen to SEC Defensive Player of the Year and Bronco Nagurski Award honors. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's good on the resume. Looks good and on the so resume. that's two plucks, yeah. really, as far as that have SEC ties. Matt House and Jerry Mack. You go back now; he's much more of recent vintage uh, inside the SEC. But yeah, those are the types of guys. It's just interesting, you know. I yeah. mean, listen, like Marshawn Lattimore gets a shout out uh, in Corey Robinson's little blurb about helping the Saints be a top 10 defense each of his three years in New Orleans, a couple of the um, Ole Miss and Liberty types for Jeremy Garrett. So, like, there were other uh, players specifically referenced, but this is interesting. Are you, uh, are you suggesting the Jaguars brought in a guy that Josh Allen is familiar with to kind of entice him to come on back home? <laughs> not, not a bad idea. Won't be his position coach because, you know, he still but, has, his but, position but coach yeah, was really, retained. But had, Yeah, but, he, I mean, in the past he's had relations mm-hmm. with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, listen, you, you got to do what you got to do. And, and this might also have been straight out of the balky playbook. Let's go get Madhouse. Let's bring him in. Josh Allen's very familiar with him. He's going to be a Jaguar this year no matter what. You know that. Let's hope it's not the Madhouse from the LSU defense of this past season. It, 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 prior, prior to his time at LSU, he served as linebackers coach in KC, so he bounced back and forth. They went to the Super yeah. Bowl, two of My those three years. My point is, like, let's hope we don't get that production. Oh, He's not going to be the that's defensive kind of coordinator. No, that's the that. good news. Yeah, I know just that. Making sure. All right, because you looked at the timeline, and I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, it's the same guy. I'm just saying, let's hope it's not the same production is my yeah. point. Yeah, because he went from, well, 2019 to 2021. I guess it could have been. Could have been around that same time. All right, but the other guys, and again, we don't know a whole hell of a lot about every one of them. You mentioned Richard. We mentioned Jerry. Uh, Mac, Mike Gray was up in Atlanta. He was. Uh, did you know he's a Jacksonville native? Yeah, I did not know that. Went to Creekside High School. I oh, didn't know that cool. either. Yeah, and he may so he may be able to go back and, and talk of Darius Williams days. Who the heck knows? But I think he may have played with Darius Williams. That's pretty cool. So he served. He's going to come in as the assistant secondary co- secondary coach, defensive analyst. Served in the same role for the Atlanta Falcons alongside Ryan Nielsen uh, this past season. Prior to Atlanta. Uh, three seasons as the co-special teams coordinator, linebacker coach at Gardner-Webb. And look, whenever we start reading these bios, Leon, these guys are nomads, man. They are nomadic. They have been all over the place. And they'll go high-low, <laughs> meaning you start in high school, you go to college, you got to drop back, whatever, but you keep doing it, 
and you may go up to the NFL and come back to college, but you're learning how to be a better coach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a player. You stay in this league long enough. I, I tell players all the time, if you stay in the league long enough, you got to keep learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's never a day that you never go. And these coaches, they're not exempt. I mean, they, they got to stay relevant, I mean, whether they bounce from high school to college, the pros, the back to college, back to high school, or whatever. You just got to stay in people's ear because I, I know that there's coaches that have been to that elite level, the NFL level, that may be down at a lower level that's still in the ear of guys. That's how you get a job. You know, mm-hmm. it's not what you know, it's who you know. The communications that you have with the guys that are in the league right. that get you back in the league. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely interesting the path that Ryan Nielsen had, and he named – Eddie O is one of his favorite coaches, influential mm-hmm. figures in his life. So, anyway, we'll, we'll stay on the coach staff. If you guys looked at it, you're a, a Duval Nooner, you're a Jaguar fan, let us know. You can hit the text line 641-1010, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, and give us some thoughts on that staff. Uh, so, we will stay on the NFL. we got to bring up Justin Fields coming up here in just a second. We also got to bring up Antonio Pierce uh, with his rules that, that uh, he described on a podcast with uh, Max Crosby as far as handling Pat Mahomes. I think it's one that Leon definitely wants to jump in on. Matty, real quick before we go to the break, uh, High Tide, he says, uh, if Gator Nation is capable of sending death threats to McIlwain, uh, you better believe they have shivs when they storm the court. So that's just one aside. Alleged death threats. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. alleged death alleged. threats and alleged shivs. And alleged sharks, too. So There's a lot of alleged <laughs> that was a going real on shark, there. Trust me. Right. It's XL primetime. That just Happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we have our first player who has announced he will not <laughs> test at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis next week. And it is none other than Iowa defensive back Cooper DeGene. Dame Brugler of The Athletic reporting that DeGene is still working his way back from that late season leg injury as Brugler notes, it's a bummer because he's one of the freakiest guys in the draft. DeGene says he plans to work out for NFL teams closer to draft weekend. Matt, when I broke the news to you just moments ago, your first reaction was? I mean, he must still be injured, obviously. As you said, you were like, this is where he's supposed to make his money. Yeah, this is where he runs, you know, sub low 4-4s or even sub 4-4. This is where you make your money. So Mm -hmm. he's got to still be dealing with that leg injury. Or it could be where he loses money. True. Not be That's ready. true too. You know, so I mean, yeah, I, listen, you got to do what's in the best interest of yourself. I, I you are a commodity to, now. I said to Leon, and Leon, you mm. you tell the story on the on the bench press yeah. uh, that that you did. But anyway, I said if if you aren't feeling one hundred percent, it will mm-hmm. cost you, and you're gonna have to. What come did up you with do? You just said I can't do it, Dave. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, <laughs> well, no, no. Well, listen. Well, before the season started, <laughs> I, I had a I had a hairline fracture in my thumb. Mm-hmm. All right, so the first part of the season, I had to wear a cast. All right, so I took the cast off. I remember the game was against Penn State. I took the pet cast off, whatever. So we get to the combine, right? I did all the drills and stuff, but, it, you know, because of my thumb, my, my bench press wasn't quite. You weren't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it. So I was in line. I'm going to tell you what did it for me. That freaking Samoan from Washington. He did like, <laughs> he, he did like 39, he did like 39 reps at, <laughs> on the bench press, right? I was like, bro. So I'm like three guys behind. Him. I said, bro, if I go over here and throw up like 15 because of this thumb, I said, I'm going to lose money. So I asked the guy, I said, hey, man, I, I can't do the bench press. What do I need to do? Because you're in front of all the coaches and scouts and stuff like that. Right. Right. I said, what, I said, what do I need to do? He, he said, well, you got to stand in front of all the coaches and you have to tell them why you're not going to do the bench press. Okay. So they called my name, Leon Searcy, University of Miami, whatever. So I go up and I, I stand in front of all the coaches and, and, and scouts and say, I say, listen, I dislocated my thumb. Uh, hell, as I said, it's been bothering me training, so I'm not going to be doing the bench press. 
and I'll do it when I do my, on my pro day in a couple of weeks. So when I walk off the stage, to the left of me is Jimmy Johnson. He looks at me and he says, you're lying. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson knew, he knew I was lying. He said, you're lying. And I say, well, I might be, but I'm not going to lose this money today. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah. It will cost you cash <clears throat> mm-hmm. if you are not at your best. Because as we've said, it is the we said it was a cottage industry a long time ago. It ain't no cottage industry anymore. This is niche time, and you better figure out. You come in, you do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You And this is a different type of preparing <clears throat> This is not preparing for a football game. Here's a, the reason why I don't like the combine because, I mean, listen, some guys just don't test well. I mean, it's like it's a test. If you want, if you want a true evaluation of what kind of player you got, you got film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take a guy who goes out and has a stellar year or whatever, and he goes to the combine, a la Orlando Brown, the left tackle from uh, the left tackle that that came out of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. consensus All American, first team All American, whatever. You know, had a draft, had a draft grade of like top fifteen picks. All right, he goes to the combine. I mean, he ran, he ran the forty as slow as I ever seen a man run the forty. <laughs> so he ran like a six something forty, and then his drills weren't that good or everything. So he went from a projected top fifteen pick to what he go in the third round. He went in the third round or something like that. He went second or third round, whatever. Right now, he made up for it in the league. You know, Super Bowl champion, All Pro, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying. That 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 monumental collapse by him was all attributed just to the combine poor performance. I, I do think it's interesting, number one, that when I said to Matt we have our first combine quote unquote opt out, you said Well it's gotta be Caleb Williams. To which number one, why? But number two, we already heard the reports last week that Athletes First has told most of their players and especially their quarterbacks who are their clients to not take that S2, the cognitive testing that C.J. Stroud reportedly failed last year. And, of course, that was the knock on him yeah, coming out of the combine. I wouldn't, if, I was, if I was an elite quarterback, one of the five quarterbacks, I wouldn't do anything at the combine. I'd go talk to him. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd the say, interview. I'm going, yeah, I'd do the interview. I wouldn't do whiteboard. I wouldn't do anything. I'd say, you know what, come mm-hmm. to my pro day. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because I always feel like the Calebs of the world have nothing to gain necessarily because yeah. they're being projected at the top. So Zero truly to gain have nothing to gain right. and everything to lose because it could only drop them. The other guys that are, and let's just use Bo Nix as an example, because Bo Nix has looked questionable on college football mm-hmm. fields, right? He has, mm-hmm. and he's looked great on college football fields. He's a guy that athletically could go there and pop, and people would maybe start to think, hey, could this be the next big thing? Mm-hmm. Could we could – we Take him a little bit later and turn him into a megastar. Man, he can gain a lot. I, man, I totally agree with you, but you, you also know that these players have egos and, and they want to be the first pick overall. So if, if Jaden Daniels can go to the combine and run a full four, and Caleb Williams doesn't run, and a team wants to take him because of his speed, and he goes out and throws, these guys have egos, super egos. I agree. Being that. number one means a lot to a lot of these guys, believe it or not. Number two is fine, but they want to be number one. So I mean, number one's also like forty-two million too. So there's yeah. money involved well, that, as well. That's absolutely, the, that's the main reason. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like, if you're talking about Jaden Daniels, because I still think, by the way, that Jaden Daniels still might be the one overall. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna like be at a pro day or whatever he does. He's gonna blow people it's, away. It's a good bet it, to to watch and have fun with it, and j- it might even be one that you can 
But it's just, it's just more, I guess the best the re- the reason I say that is because it's more controlled. Everything you're doing at your own pro day is controlled. Sure. Everything at the combine, you have <clears throat> zero control of. But, all right, Mia will be at the combine next week with Hayes mm. and Frank. And the one thing that we have noticed, at least over the handful of years, recent years, more guys have thrown. More guys mm-hmm. have done more yeah. at the combine than Absolutely. I expected and it just kind of unfolded that way over the last handful of years has changed it really has some of them had to throw like yeah. like anthony richardson had to throw mm-hmm. well yeah. for him there's no way he was going to not there's no way he yeah. was going to go there and not throw but, like, but he had to throw but yeah. he killed him on the board didn't he right. yeah the board work i mean he was superb yeah, on the board. Said, yeah. yeah absolutely so i mean it all helps and when i say egos i, I mean listen I, it's been over uh let me see 32 years and i, I remember the two tackles that were taken before me that should have been the first tackle taken. Mm-hmm. Bob yeah. Whitfield, Ray Roberts. So if you don't think these guys remember, absolutely they remember. And I guarantee you, Anthony Richardson knew that this mm-hmm. was its own season. Yeah. This was a finite amount of time. Mm-hmm. I got to do finite things. This is not playing the game. This is not looking at defenses. This is just doing exactly what they're looking for. And he went and delivered and, yeah. and, and, and blew them out. Let's segue to the news <clears throat> that came on the scene yesterday, right after we signed off the air of Justin Fields appearing on the St. Brown Brothers podcast with the 33rd team. But before we get to that, off the text line, Design by Lifetime Enclosures, which, of course, you can get in on the conversation at 641-1010, a perfect opportunity to reintroduce the man who will be sitting in for the next 10 days with us, Dylan Denmark. We're not calling you pockets on this program. We've already All agreed right. to that. Um, but 403 wants to know if you are still taking donations for your track team. Always taking donations. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we did a fundraiser a couple weeks ago, but uh, we're always taking donations, trying to raise money. I, for the ones that don't know, I coach track out at Baldwin. And uh, we actually got our first meet tomorrow, and the season goes all the way through about April, or it's not April, May. So. Were you a track star back in the day, Denver? I was a little bit of a track star. I was in a district with Reigns and Rebald and Jackson, so I was kind of, you know. You got uh, lost I in the shuffle. I was the only white boy running these events. <laughs> I was just about so to say, Reigns, Rebald. Where was you? How did you finish? I was ninth in the 100, ninth in the 400 my junior year, and I got fifth in triple jump my senior year. Okay. I'm just asking. Hey, yes. Listen, I, I was, I was, I thought a fast white boy. You don't have to say anything. We were just <laughs> talking about Cooper DeGene and how he would have when tore he, up the combine. When he said the names, I was like, oh, that's interesting. How did you? I just wanted to know. Our first ever track meet was like 40 kids in the hundred. I ran against Javaris Davis. Javaris Davis from Ed White ran like a four-four flat that combine a couple years ago, and yeah. I was the only white kid ran the fastest seat. Got second to last. All right. Well, if you want to help Denmark yeah. uh, with ball, tra- I ran track for four years, Denmark. So Would I know, you do the mile? Yeah, I know exactly. No, I was I was a sprinter, man. Okay. okay I, I just don't look at me and think I'm slow. <laughs> judgment. And, that and looked like judgment it. right there. That was judgment. I mean, oh, my God. I ran a 4.7 back what in the day. You, See if you can top that. The, he said the mile. That yeah. is Wow. Right. Why didn't you play. just say, what did you do, cross country? Like He, yeah. he was like, that's Hell like a punch no. in the I gut. I was a running man. back slash cornerback that ran track in the offseason to keep fresh. Mm. Okay? Mm. Fresh. All right. Let's hit it with that. I can't believe he that, he just old man questioned me right there. That's for sure. <laughs> that just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Spa Track, which does a lot of work with salary cap stuff with, with all professional leagues, but mm-hmm. more so the NFL. Um, they came out with a contract breakdown projections for six <laughs> quarterbacks, one being Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Oh. The projected deal is six years, $300 million. $105 million guaranteed at signing, $175 million practically guaranteed. 
I, I look anytime I hear new contract quarterback, I'm thinking fifty mil per. Yeah. Most of the quarterbacks, by the way, that they did projections for the other right. quarterbacks included Jared Goff, Tua Tagovailoa, Dak Prescott, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins. Several of those quarterbacks, of course, have received well, Dax, Dax second are, and third deals. Dak's average annual was higher at sixty, right. mm. but yeah, the, the the total deal as far as total money, yeah, it would be triple. It was there. Is that this year's projections? That's what it is, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wonder what Josh Allen's thinking. Yeah, well, those guys, all those guys, anytime someone gets a new deal, they get their agent to make sure that they're in step where they should be. Mahomes did it a year ago. He immediately had a little extension or whatever he did to his contract to make sure he was still. Did back you sign him now? Yeah, for six years, three hundred million. Mahomes? No, Lawrence. Oh, I was going to say I'd keep signing Mahomes to a six-year deal every single year, right, or whatever he wants. I mean, um, Lawrence. What would be interesting is so if this prediction was to hold from Spotrac, um, Trevor Lawrence's cap number in the fourth year of his rookie deal is eleven point seven million. This would put his cap number at fifteen point five. Um, yes, the base salary would be one point five million dollars, and then so much of it would be prorated and this, that, and the other, but that's the part that I just don't see happening. If the cap number would be that high, mm-hmm. I don't see them agreeing to that right now when they only have $11 million in cap space and change. Right, right. And, and yeah. I don't know whether that's a forecast for what's going to go in next year's offseason or if they are forecasting it to happen in this offseason because if it happens in this offseason, like Mia's saying, it just doesn't make as much sense. Um, all right, let's just use that as a little bit of a jumping off because – I, I, I got a couple of numbers here as far as what Trevor has done and how he compared to the other big names up there that is worth getting into. But let's just use this as a jumping off point with Justin Fields. Because if you go back and you think about the draft class of 2021, Trevor Lawrence was at the top, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the amount of money that he might get from this football team. And I remind everybody, you can be critical of Trevor, a lot of picks in his first three years – but you better start looking around the rest of the National Football League and realize you got a rosy quarterback situation here compared to a lot of other NFL uh, towns. I don't know That's if I'd say sure. rosy. Uh, rosy. I don't know if I'd com- say rosy just yet. Yeah, but you got to hear me finish my sentence. I think, he, I think he can be very good. Rosy compared to a lot of other NFL uh, cities, uh, honestly. And I'll just use the 2021 draft class as an example. Number one, Trevor Lawrence at the top. Number two, Zach Wilson, backup. Number three, Trey Lance, third string in Dallas. Number four, quarterback taken, Justin Fields, probably going to be moved, just stripped away his social media. Number five, Mac Jones. Uh, we don't know where that lands, where he lands. What did he do last year? Number – Mac Jones guy lost his like, job. You hit on a guy who looks like a top-five quarterback. Yeah, but Mac Jones lost his job. This is the point I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, these are the quarterbacks that came out of that 2021 class. Matt Jones immediately took his team to the playoffs. Trey Lance, you didn't know exactly what was possible, but you dreamed of what was possible. Justin Fields looked like he, hey, give him a little help. He might be something. This is the whole point of this exercise. This is 2024. That was 2021. Has anyone that we just named looked better or even close to Trevor Lawrence right now? Well, The next guy is Kyle Trask, okay? Uh, Seriously. Think about Any it. Any of those guys have 60 turnovers? The next guy is Kellen Mond. The next guy is Davis Mills. You didn't answer my question. Well, Any, any no, of those guys because, have 60 turnovers? Well, because they don't they get haven't on played. The, yeah, they don't get on the field. Hey, are you – Well, are, are, well Mac's been on the field plenty. And right? he lost his job. Right. I'm not uh, – yeah. I, I, look, 
So when Th- you this say is that, the problem that I have that. with this. Okay, the problem I have with this is that I think I feel like we're treating him with kid gloves. It is. He not. needs to be. He needs to be pushed, right? He needs to be out there thinking. All right, I've got to reach my ceiling right now because right now what's around me yeah. is not that good. So I've got to make other people around uh, but me better. I, listen, I, I laugh when you say that this is an excuse and this is helping him. No, I'm not saying that at all. I just feel like he, I just feel like it's. And I believe me, I think he's going to be a really good player. Okay. If they put the right pieces around him. All I'm saying is he's got to want it inside him, does he not, Leon? Yes. I don't think anybody's uh, He's got to push himself. No, but the, the whole exercise here is that you 60 just, turnovers is a lot of turnovers in right. three years. You just said 60 turnovers. So are you willing to dispatch Trevor Lawrence the same timeline that Chicago's dispatching Justin No, Fields, but I'm certainly willing to say – I'm Zach certainly Wilson? willing to say, get your crap together, man. Yes, I'm sure that I'm hoping they are down there. Hold on to the damn ball. Stop yeah. making poor throws. I'm definitely willing to say that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mac yeah. Jones, 51 turnovers in eight less career games mm-hmm. than Trevor Lawrence. So just yeah. filed that one away. Yeah, all right. So let me 51 give and 42, 60 and 50. Yeah. Now let me give you some, some, some good and bad because there's definitely things you can point to when it comes to what. Trevor has done what he hasn't done. And the whole reason we're bringing this up, jump in on Justin Fields, Leon, before I give some of these numbers. Justin Fields strips, strips away all the Bears' marks on his social media, unfollows mm-hmm. the team, so on and so forth, and basically <clears throat> comes out and says, you know, I just – get me out of here. I, I just want this to be No, over. no, no. He says, yeah. I want to be in Chicago. Okay. Well, he said, I want it to be He's over. He's tired of the games. Yeah, I is. want it to be over. And so he yeah. is saying that because he can't really say anything otherwise right now. But anyway, what did you interpret? Uh, well, I mean, listen, I, I saw the podcast when he was talking, and he sounded—I don't know—he he sounded whiny to me. I, I mean, and I know, I, I know, I'm in my era, and I know these guys. This is this is their outlet. Social media is their outlet. Podcasts are their outlet, or whatever. But he came across as whiny to me, and 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 do you want to? Whatever team that he's going to be shipped to or whatever, I mean, that's what you're getting. I mean, that's the impression that he's he's coming across as. I mean, sometimes, you know, silence is key. Sometimes the, the less you say, the, the the stronger you stand. And a lot of these players don't get that. I, I, I'm just saying, when I, I saw the interview, when I saw the stuff on social media, and I, I saw the podcast, I was just like, do we really want this guy? I mean, he's an amazing talent, but I'm just saying, that in the adverse times, I mean, people – usually show their cards mm-hmm. and he's going through a little bit right now he's not he's unsure of where he's going to be and all that kind of stuff and he just came across to me as whiny and I, I'm not sure if I want that in my locker room even as talented of a player that as he is and, and, and I'm in my era mm-hmm. all right I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just saying sometimes sometimes silence well, is I, the strongest stance you can make yeah because my, my question back to you or at least thought back to you mm. is that Whoever decides to go get him is also looking at this and yeah. can't be crazy about that weakness yeah. that might be out Yeah, because there. When, I, when I'm looking at it, I mean, there's always going to be a period of time in the season where it's going to be a tough patch, all right? And, and, and you're going to be – you're going to need leadership, unlike this team, on inability to do. You're going to need leadership to pull you out of that patch. And whether the quarterback likes it or not, he's – He's anointed lead as one of the leaders, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't follow nobody who who just comes across as weak in adverse moments. I can't do. Why it. is it okay, why is it okay to say that the Jaguars need to put better pieces around Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields is just he's not the guy. They need to move on from him. Well, I, they do need to get better pieces, especially offensive line. I mean, he struggled because he didn't have an offensive line in, in right. front of him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Trevor's not exempt. I mean. He, 
listen, we need to stop. We need to stop pounding his butt. Changes me burp. That's what we need to do. He yes, needs, that's uh, kind of my uh, point. Exactly. He he got to play better. He absolutely has to play better. Uh, and and don't way, let, don't let, I always say this. Don't let you be the problem. Yeah. That, that yeah. should be everybody. Every player on that team that should be their model. Don't don't let you be the problem. Yeah, I agree with that. But the the <laughs> the idea mm-hmm. that he is not being heavily criticized mm-hmm. is is not real. He uh, is being clobbered. I, I probably. I don't know that in the locker room yeah. I and mean, by that staff. I don't know. Right. We don't know that. But the, uh, and we definitely don't know. We and by the way, I don't think we should make an assumption that they're coddling him and, and with 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 what they. I don't think we should make that assumption. Do you really? I, honestly, are you? If you're going to ask me to assume one way or the other, I would assume coddling. Yeah. Are you? You are making that assumption. If I'm assuming one way or the other, I'm yeah. saying okay. It, they're coddling or they're pushing him. I think right. they're. I think it's leaning more toward coddling than pushing. Right. Because I, I I just get the feeling that after the way that season finished. And that if anything that you would look back on, you'd look back on that December 1 on with a huge amount of disappointment, but you'd look at it for a variety of reasons for a huge amount of disappointment. The biggest things that were exposed to me were intensity, physicality, if that is a word, and then just basically getting beaten up at the lines of scrimmage. Joe, if they were in that locker room, if they were on him and pushing him, at some point, he would have said publicly, mm-hmm. 60 turnovers is not acceptable. At some point, he would have yeah. said publicly, he's got to play better. He uh, said that more, more than once, yeah, by more the than way. Once. More than once, he number. said, I'm the problem and I yeah. need to play better. Yeah. No, 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 no. Doug yeah. Peterson, I'm saying, has, uh, has to say Doug definitely said it yeah. in the final press conference of the year. Yeah. They hate There's it. no question that yeah. Doug said that. Okay, so it took him, what, 17 games to say it. Well, Congratulations. Well, no. I, no, I mean, he said it at weekly pressers, too. Yeah. He said, the quarterback, we have to take care of the football. The quarterback has to take care of the football. Be made, I said. was in every single one of them on Wednesday mornings. Yeah, over and over there were plays to be made. If anything, there were people looking around saying, they can't stop the run all of a sudden, yeah. and you're worried about turnovers. And there were players in that locker room that we did interviews with that were upset that why are we doing fundamentals? And Doug would say because we need to take care of the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he it, look, and I think he's smart. He doesn't directly throw someone under the bus, but he definitely leaves it up for interpretation. He definitely says this can right. I don't want interpretation. Yeah, well, I don't want interpretation. Uh, uh, I, I again, literally that, want that, him to say. I literally want him to say. He cannot turn the ball over like he's yeah. been doing. Yeah, it, It's I, yeah. simple as that. He's got to protect the ball better. He's got to make better throws. He's got to be smarter with the football. You can keep wishing, uh, and, and maybe he that's said what it. he'll do. The text but, line's blowing up right now because yeah. he did say he it. We can go critical. back and find it in all the pressers. Yeah, and so well, let's uh, let's find it. Let's yeah. hear it. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll go back right now. Let's I'll look it. through the um, all right. So we'll head to the one o'clock hour. Trevor had his iPods on. He didn't hear it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go into the one o'clock I hour, hear it, man. I got to bring up these numbers because these are real numbers as far as what he did against the other big names out there, which is worth bringing up. Uh, and then jump in on that subject, and then obviously on where you think maybe a Justin Fields ends up. Some of these other guys, Kirk Cousins, best free agent that's out there right now. Where does he end up? So we'll get into all that. But you're going to go back in the archives, correct? Yeah, I'm actually pulling up all the transcripts from every Wednesday presser in the month of December. We could at least find a couple that at least – I don't think there was any problem or hesitation with Doug Peterson saying everybody's got to do better. That includes the guy that uh, is playing the quarterback position. 1010XL is presented by Farrah and Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. I think it is number one. Uh, I think it's the biggest thing, you know, that, uh, that he has to 
focus on you know moving forward we just we just can't have you know this amount of, of turnovers how we turn the ball over where we turn the ball it doesn't matter you know we got to protect the football it's the number one thing there you go Doug January Peterson. 8th say post 17 games January 8th you find something no, I. And that's I really just, not that critical either. Yeah, I, I. Let's just set up what we're talking about, okay? Because everyone does not hang on every word that we say. January they are in 8th. and out of their cars, in and out of Alexa, play 1010XL skill. So we ended our last hour talking about whether Doug Peterson was critical of his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, to which we said yes. And then in the postseason the pressure, baby out now, Leon. In the postseason pressure, a uh, presser. You heard the pressure put on Trevor by his oh, head coach. Oh, yeah, that was pressure. He's what? What do you want? Here's another no, one. Stop it. Here's Honestly, another one. What do you want? Do you want this guy to say, "Hey, this guy that we have playing quarterback"? Like, do you want him to go, Jim Mora? We no, absolutely. No, I'm sucked. saying it's time to stop babying him. Is what he, I'm I don't saying. Okay, he's babying him. He said turnovers are the number one off-season priority for Trevor. That's pretty clear. As we noted heading into break, I did go back and pull up every single transcript since December 1st. Um, And going back through those transcripts, I was reminded that many of Doug Peterson's weekly press conferences, the questions regarding Trevor were with regards to injury. And so you probably couldn't ask about the turnover outside of a post-game presser because the prevailing question was, is he even healthy? So that's number one. That's part of why the questioning, I think, is in the line that it is. I go back to December 20th, 2023. You can ask any question you want doesn't have to no, be. No, no, I understand that, Matt. But what yeah. I'm saying is in that moment, that was the question you were going to be asking because the focus was, is he healthy? Yeah. Can he play? Is he December good December 20th, 2023. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bring it, give you, put you in a time machine. It's a, on the current challenges are more mental or physical. It's a little both. It's a physical game. You're going to get beat. That's just football. You're going to get beat from time to time. From the mental standpoint of just understanding your role and your job, Look, every offensive player out there, skill position guy, they all know they're not supposed to turn the ball over. Duh. That's the most prized possession on the field, the football. We know that. It's more concentration, more focus, more attention to detail. When you're in traffic and out in space, the ball security, it's where it becomes second nature for our guys. The physical part of it, guys are going to get beat. It happens. They make plays. It's the ebb and flow of the game. Yeah. You, so, like, so remember the one play, Leon? Players now. Remember the one play when he, he takes mm-hmm. off and runs? And no one touches him, and the ball pops out of. He's, remember, he was trying to switch it over. Doug had to be livid over that. Anybody had to be livid over that. You're trying to win a big football game, and you make a mistake. I got to They are not. Yet, letting there was, 60, yet there was nothing after that game of he can't do that. I I, I believe that cost that, us the game. He can't do that. I know that we all do the show every single day together, because and I know you're literally that we, walking around here with your flag. It's yeah. not about that, man. He's got to be held accountable. Period. Oh, my gosh. Publicly accountable, period. Is is there an out-of-body experience going on with somebody else in this building that I don't know about? There's a baby powder in here, man. Is is there somebody else that has taken over the body of Matt Hayes? laughing because he knows I'm right. So let me ask you this, Matt. Do you want to trade for Justin Fields right now? No. I, I Look, or I've been saying all along that I think he has a chance you to just be a said very Justin good player. F- Justin Fields has less turnovers. He's just been playing behind a piss-poor offensive line. Right, right. My point that in that situation, Mia, was – why did why does Trevor Lawrence get a pass and Justin Fields doesn't? That's my point with that. I think the All main right? answer is, and, that- I've, and I've been very consistent when yeah. I said I think he's going to be a very good player. Yeah. But at some point, you got to take the training wheels off. Oh, I I think they are. But again, we can't say he's going to be a very good player and keep reminding everybody he's had sixty turnovers. He needs to play better. There's no question about it. What do you what what do you think as far as the way Doug Peterson has approached Trevor? 
Well, um, you know, I I think he 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 has to be a little bit more stern. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you, you're not going to kill your quarterback in front of the public. All right, we don't know what's going on in the corridors in those meeting rooms uh, because I, I listen. I've been in enough meeting rooms True. where the, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator, the first thing he talks about, he says before the season starts, and he says we got to take care of the football. And then he, next thing he says, it starts with the quarterback. Yeah, and that's where every that's where every offensive coordinator that I've dealt with, the first thing that comes out of my before training camp, after we came off the season, whether it's been Kevin Gilbride, whether it's been all the uh, all the offensive coordinators that I've had, we got to take care of the football. Starts with the quarterback, right? And so within those meetings, within those quarterback meetings, we don't know we don't we don't know. What kind of conversation they have? But no, they could be crushing it. They could be crushing it. Absolutely, yeah, it could be that. crushing it. We uh, don't. We don't know well, that. But I've also been very consistent. Is I think publicly sometimes you got to call people out, mm-hmm. and I do think you have to do that collectively. Honestly, if we went back in that postseason presser, he said a lot of things, and I really think if we all if we go mm-hmm. all the way back to a couple of the critical moments in the middle of the year, he says they were reading their own press clippings. They were. He was critical, and he mm-hmm. says there are plays out there. They're not making the plays. And so he, Doug Peterson has a style. He is not going to slam and, and, and be overly critical, but he's definitely going to point out when there is stuff that needs to be fixed. I, and, I understand all that. Yeah. All I'm telling you is I disagree with it. I disagree yeah. with that. I disagree with that idea of how he's trying to develop this guy. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, it's gotta, you got to have some tough love with him. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, clearly, I don't well, disagree. He's won a Super Bowl, so clearly he knows what he's doing. All I'm saying is I disagree with it. Well, clearly he knew in that season-ending presser, because if we can hop in the time machine back to January 8th, I remember coming in here and people were stunned the next day. They were like, I cannot believe Doug sat up there and of all the issues with this team, he focused on the quarterback needs to be better with turnovers. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. go back to January well, 8th and that was and the, I love the, Yeah, we the just heard that. Well, here, yeah. right. We just heard it. Well, here's, right. the, here's the thing. It may not be an indictment on Doug. It might be an indictment on Trevor. I mean, maybe these sentiments are being said to him and yet he's still tearing the ball over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 so maybe maybe that's something that he needs to work on. Because, uh, listen, coaches preaching your ear time and time again, can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And if, you, if, you're, con- if you're consistently doing it, I mean, then who, who's – that's the indictment on the player. All right, Denmark. I don't disagree. I mean, the, yeah. look, the dude's uber talented. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. He makes throws where you're like, my God, no one else in the league can make that throw. All I'm saying is – and, and I understand Doug won a Super Bowl. I get it, okay? I'm disagreeing with the idea of you don't need a public to go, out, go after him. And I'm not saying every single day or every single week. I mean, just publicly make a statement. Look, he has to play better, period. I, He's I turning the ball you, I, over I, listen, too much. I know, I know that there are some people that are into the, quote, public statement. I don't care. You know what I want? I want him to give give – Trevor a little bit of RA and say you have got to play better do it however he wants to do it inside the building I just want to see results and I know that Trevor at some point has to charge himself with the idea that I got to get better so that's the the bottom line yeah yeah. at some point it's got to take it on himself yeah end of season presser for Trevor Denmark tell me if you got that one and that's another one where uh, a couple of sound bites from him are kind of important uh, as far as number four from January 8th, where he says, I have to take better care of the ball. That's a quick soundbite, but still, it's one where he absolutely says it. He also says I didn't play my best, said he thought that we would go a lot further, uh, says it was a tough year physically because he got beaten up you know, quite a bit. All those things were part of the equation. And heck, if you go to his interviews, Radio Row, whenever he was talking to either Steve Smith or whomever else he popped on with, 
He said there is no question that this left a bad taste in their mouth, and they know that they didn't get the job done. But it's funny, whenever we line up and we talk about offseason needs, there's all these things around him that we keep listing that absolutely have to be better for us to know whether he can be better. They were 8-3 and three with a chance to get behind the number one seed and didn't win another game he started the rest of the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, and then from 8-3, and three, he got hurt, 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 hurt. Okay. And No, I'm just saying that that's real. Everybody not- plays hurt in the league. Everyone plays hurt in the league, man. I know. I know including all the standard, quarterbacks. I know all the standard lines. But did you see the knee get folded over? Sure I did. Yes. Yeah. Did you see the concussion? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, all these, all these things count. And, and they, they add up. The ankle, it all adds up. Do we and, think Matt Eberflus is throwing Justin Fields under the bus right now? He's currently meeting with reporters to introduce his new coordinators. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just throwing, you know. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't even well, want to I don't know. situations. We haven't, well, we haven't followed the Bears yeah. week by week. I don't know yeah. if Matt Eberflus didn't actually call him out publicly. He yeah. may have. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't even want to compare situations. I just have to get that one out there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just simply talking about what's happening here and that I do think Doug has charged his football team with being better. That's why he wiped out a large part of his staff, and that's why I think he's going to say to himself and to the offensive side, we're going to fix this side collectively which means I got to make sure I'm coaching better. Doug Peterson needs to tell himself, yeah, well, I got to do a better again, job. Again, he could be crushing him behind, behind yeah. in, in the locker room. We don't know it, okay? Right. So Peterson could be coaching him really hard, okay? Mm-hmm. So I don't know that. I don't think right. any of us know that, all right? right. So, no. All I'm saying is I, don't, I wouldn't mind seeing it publicly every once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, like, I go back, and it's so funny. We were telling the story, whatever, during a break, and the entire time that Tom Coughlin was here, Leon, mm-hmm. the entire time, <laughs> That he was here and Mark Brunell was his quarterback, he questioned him one time and had to put out a statement later that day to say that he was still the quarterback running the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how crazy it gets in the National Football League. But he did. He also did was the careless disregard of the football as well, too, though. Well, he'd say he was aimed right at him. Yeah, I mean, he would say, well, it was many guys that had callous disregard for the football, not not just not just Brunell, but he flat out sat him down. And then basically had to come out and, and say he is still the starting quarterback of your Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how crazy it gets. Uh, and, heck, you, you get any – all right, here's, here's Trevor from that uh, exit presser that Monday in the locker room after the season was over on taking care of the ball. I got to own my part, and I got to take better care of the ball, and um, that's going to give us a better chance to win a lot of these games. So I understand that, and I own that. And there's other things I need to do better, too. It's not just turnovers, but just in general, I need to be more consistent. And so, and he went on to say, I didn't play my best and, and, and expanded on it. But more than anything else, I, I, I don't know what else can be done other than he has displayed what looks like seriously quality quarterback play that can live in the league for a long time, right? Sure. Like you said, some throws that he's sure. made. A percentage he, of the time, right. he absolutely He has seriously yes. displayed quality uh, play at that position that, that can live in the league. And so now he's got to charge himself, and then Doug's got to charge himself. Those are the two main pieces here. Uh, with everything else that happens, Trent Balky included, go get some offensive line, make sure that this offense is, is, is protecting you know him better. But those two guys got to check themselves and say we got to do better. So, Leon, remember that. You remember Jeff George, the talent mm-hmm. that guy had, mm-hmm. and the throws he would make where you'd be like, my God, this dude. But then he would just – completely zone out yeah, and, and turn the ball over. And I, Wouldn't I, hold on to him. He fumbled the ball a lot. He threw picks. He threw ba- made bad throws. 
But you can't be that type of guy and last long in the league. You no. can't be hot and cold. Right. Man. But he was a he was a former number one overall pick because he had a cannon and he was talented. He was a ton of, of talent. Because of the potential. I, I think I've just seen more in two years of Trevor starting, and I'm just again not counting that first year. But two years of Trevor starting, I've seen more positive plays. Like Blaine, Blaine Gabbert would make a play here or there, and you go, oh, wow. Yeah, a you, play you here or there. Trevor, yeah, I mean, okay. And so that, that's how I separate them. Right. That's how I separate them. All right. Now, I just got through stumping for him, so let's go over these numbers because some of them are good and some of them are not good mm. when you compare him to Burrow, Herbert, Jalen Hurts, some of the other bigs in the game. So let's do that coming up on XL Primetime. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. That, that intermittent fasting really got to you, huh? Um, what do you mean? I was just trying to make a joke. It was a heated segment. And so no, I'm, I'm actually trying to like not cough right now when you said that. So oh, yeah, believe um, me. Oh, boy. Okay. So that Joe made, and I are still like. So know. that's what we opted for, the intermittent fasting, uh, for as opposed to what was the, the one with the buffalo trace that the text line suggested uh, yesterday to quell the, the death disease or whatever it was that you everyone had? Everyone put, the, what put is, the, uh, still, the bourbon in the hotty toddy, so I was all about that. It's uh, they still definitely had on, good. Okay, I appreciate that. Good all right, solutions we're gonna for that. we're gonna attribute it to that. Uh, happy National Caitlin Clark Day for all who celebrate. Um, that's not just me saying that. It's apparently officially Caitlin Clark Day, two twenty two in the state of Iowa. The top five ranked Iowa Hawkeyes will face the fourteenth ranked Indiana Hoosiers mm-hmm. on Peacock tonight, boys. Well, it's funny that you say that, and and I didn't realize that, but I remember the two grandbabes with their birthdays, one one. And 222. Oh. So today, Little Lemon, as I call her, Little Lemon turns three. And she's Love all that. fired up. So 222 is three years old. Do we have the round of applause yeah. or uh, some sort of birthday oh, yeah. sound she's... effects lo- locked and loaded, uh, Dylan Denmark? Yep. We'll get that going. Yep. Little Denmark's lemon. with us for what, 12 days? Mm-hmm. 10. 10? Mm-hmm. We'll get him up and running. Yeah, exactly. We're, We're not too going. worried. But yeah, so she's fired up as well. So. We'll have to let her know she shares that. I do want to shift uh, to number one. We talked a little bit about Justin Fields. Would you trade for him right now in some potential landing spots? And we slightly addressed the St. Brown Brothers podcast interview yesterday with Leon. But I also want to get to the first video of the day that Leon said he saw and wanted to talk about, which is one Johnny Manziel. Speaking of quarterbacks who maybe never reached their full potential. So uh, where would you – do you feel like we put a bow on Justin Fields, Leon, or do you think we needed to discuss that situation a little bit more? No, I mean, listen, Justin Fields, he's going to get moved. They're going to take Caleb Williams. I just hope he gets in a good spot because I know he has amazing talent. I would like – Matt was just talking about this off the air. I would love him to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. He will be a perfect fit like in Pittsburgh. I think absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with their new mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Arthur Smith. Yeah. I Arthur think Smith. when it came to wiping anything Bears off of his social media account, defollowing the Bears, mm-hmm. defollowing the NFL, I say Instagram needs to come up with a mute button. Mm-hmm. I don't defollow anybody on Twitter. I mute a whole heck of a lot of people though, mm-hmm. and so that's where I can't fault Justin Fields for saying, you know what. I'm sick and tired. I want to log on, and maybe I just want to see MMA, or maybe I just want to see golf, or something well, that distracts me. And instead, I see where will I be traded to? Yeah, I mean, as a player, I mean, no player wants to feel unwanted, you know. And, and right now, all the all the the media traffic is that 
Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, he's going to be traded, all this kind of stuff. Especially when you've given the last, you know, outside of what the Chicago Bears have been over the last three years while he's been there, I mean, you know, he's tried to be a bright light. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's tried to be. But for whatever reason, I mean, I mean, no, play, no player wants to hear that they're not wanted anymore, especially at a young age because you're very vulnerable, very sensitive. I was wow, that. I, I used to be that. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I, the reason why I'm in Jacksonville because I was sensitive and vulnerable. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, he he rushed for over two thousand yards in the last three well, years. Well, I gave you guys mm. some numbers I mean, that's, before. He's not like he's not putting his body at risk. You know? Absolutely. No, 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 no. I gave you guys some numbers before, and and he has tried to do as many things as he possibly could to keep his job. And we know that the line is suspect, and we know that they didn't necessarily have a whole lot of big names around him to throw the football to. But the quarterback rankings, uh, EPA drop back, he's 23rd. Completion percentage, he's 28th. Yards per drop back, he's 22nd. Total QBR, he's 23rd. This is, all, this is not the worst, but it's in the bottom not third. Good, right. mm-hmm. Sacks, he's 26th. Off-target throw percentage, he's 27th. And so those were some numbers that were kind of – uh, you know, damning and negative. And like we said, you start adding it up, and then let's add to it. The Jacksonville Jaguars are selecting 17th overall, and they think they've got something to build off of with Trevor, of course. Mm. The Chicago Bears are selecting first, and they don't know if they've got something to build off with Justin Fields. And that's that's where that argument has I don't even know if that's itself. it or not. You know what I think it is, honestly? I think they're paranoid to pass on Caleb Williams. I think but that's what no, it no, is. no, 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 no. They would not be as paranoid if Justin Fields represented more for them. Yeah, I, that I, under, is, that I understand that, but, but they're part of this. I understand that, but they're also, <clears throat> excuse me, they they understand what's been around him the first three years. Mm-hmm. They're not dumb, yeah. right? Right. I I just think they're at the point now that if they pass on Caleb Williams and he becomes the next Pat Mahomes, then you say, what in the world are you doing? Oh, of course. Because they already right. passed on Pat Mahomes for Mitchell right. Trubisky once right. upon a time. Yeah. Um, I I think that. To that point, Matt, what will be curious is you've spent three years building around a rookie quarterback. You've put pieces in place that you hope will develop. And now this resets your clock while also allowing for you to bring even more pieces in. I think that that's that's the argument for drafting Caleb Williams versus if you were to trade the pick and you get a treasure trove of picks, Mm -hmm. you could get more draft picks, Leon, but maybe those draft picks don't come to fruition until year five or year six of Justin Fields, at which point you're paying him a hefty sum of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, listen, if if they do take Caleb Williams with the first pick overall, they need to go get John Alt out of Notre Dame at the ninth pick overall. Joe Alt. Joe Alt. They need to. Big, big. Big, big, big time. No, no, he may not be. I was saying, he's not going to be there. He's at not going to be there. He's nah. not going to be there at nine. He's not going to be there at nine. No, you know the Tennessee no. Titans because don't the Jags have. May trade up and pick him. That's why. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans also don't have a uh, an offensive line, and they pick at number seven overall. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. they definitely need a left tackle for sure. Yeah. Wow. So I'm pairing with Scott. I would say, I, you know, I, I said John all because that was his daddy. I played against him. That's why I'm letting him know how old that was. Wasn't a It wasn't a Samoan though. No, no, no. Didn't he play at Michigan too? Who? Donald, his daddy? No. They both da- played at Notre Dame? No, his daddy played. He was defensive tackle at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. okay, another legacy. So he was a legacy yeah. kid when he went there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, Leon, set the table for us. Johnny Manziel. Where where does yeah. this clip that's been floating around the internet come well, from? Well, uh, listen, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Club Shay Shay. Yeah, uh, Sherilyn, uh, not Sterling, Shannon Sharp's uh, podcast. Uh, you know, he has some amazing celebrities that have been coming on the show. I just so happened yesterday 
I was, you know, browsing the net and I came across Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. And listen, I saw the Johnny Manziel a documentary on Netflix and that was outstanding in itself. You know, talked about his rise and fall in the NFL and his rise back again. I like those kind of stories. Because eye opening that, 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 that was Netflix. that was me in a sense. If you haven't read the book, Fourth Down Damon, I was <laughs> But but no, Johnny Manziel came I mean and Club Shay Shay, you know what I think it is? What people are so open on Club Shay Shay because he has his he has his uh his brew, his um Cognac there, right? So when you you pour your drink, you pour you, you get a you get, get a, a little bit more a little open yeah. when it's so. What well, Johnny Johnny was just saying that um, you know he was telling his story. Well, let's, some, listen, let's listen to yeah it. yeah go ahead go let's ahead. listen to a yeah, clap. It was, it was um, and I remember this is how bad off I was whenever I was in Cleveland. You know LeBron would text me every week to come over to the house and watch a game or play poker with the boys and just tried to be there. And I was so depressed for the first time in my life that even my biggest role model and inspiration in my life couldn't get me out of bed to come and hang out with them. You know, when I went to the Cavs games, I went, I was in, I was out. I didn't really grasp and latch on um, to him in a way that I should have. And he tries to take me under his wing, right? And I'm just kind of nudging it away because of where my mental is and being just fully depressed in where I was in my life. Is that an excuse? Absolutely not, because at the end of the day, the respect that I should have for them, giving me everything, should trump all else. Dude. Yeah. It's deep, and the reason why I was so intrigued by it, because, I, you know, listen, I talk, to, I talk to high school kids, I talk to college kids on Master Joe, I met, try to mentor, and I tell them, I ask them, are they mentally, physically, and spiritually equipped to handle the NFL? Because the NFL comes with vices, all right? Whether you like it or not, it comes with vices, whether it be, Alcohol, women, drugs, money, all that kind of stuff. It, it, and when you retire, there's no rehab center. Yeah. All right? You, there's no rehab center for one. Rehab one. is life. <laughs> yeah, rehab is life. Right. You've got to somehow, you've got to calibrate and get yourself back together because you, you've, been, you've endured all these years of all these vices. And you, you've got to, you've got to be strong. Just I mean, because not only the vices, but then, then you've got to be the productivity on the field has to be great. Yeah. You, you, there's so much demand from you, from the NFL, from your coaching staff, from your teammates, from your parents, from your wife, your girlfriend. All these, all these things factor in, and you, a lot of guys handle it well, mm-hmm. and then some guys don't. And, and Johnny is clearly a person who couldn't handle all that. Dude, that is so revealing. Just imagine LeBron is checking on you. To make sure, like you want to feel like. Well, he mm-hmm. didn't he yeah. say he had a he had a cocaine diet. Oh yeah, yeah. He, that's he went on to talk about that too. Yeah. He so, lost like what forty pounds? Forty or something? pounds. Yes. Yeah. He said he a lived, diet of blow. Yeah, lived off of it. And so the other part, of just uh, like if you're worried about whether you mean anything to anybody or not, or your uh, importance in this world is being questioned, and LeBron's checking in on you, and you can't figure it out. That's crazy, and it was. It was nothing but yeah, coke. It was. It was, and it's it's sad, but you know, I'm glad. You know, uh, the one thing about he, he's gotten his life back together. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that he had to go through that whirlwind. Oh my god! Of disappointment, of money loss, of friends and family, and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of, you know, get to who he really was. I tell people, if you don't love yourself, you know, it. it if you don't learn how to love yourself, man. You better believe it. Yeah, but yep. what's more important now that he finally has learned how to love himself or that he's playing football? I'm sure he'd rather say I'm sure he'd say all along, well, yeah, well, I found myself. Yeah, his, his, That's the key. The, the, the sad thing about it is is that 
he was so passionate about the game of football that he loved it, but he allowed all these other things to kind of strip that away mm-hmm. from him. You yeah. know, the, the party and the drinking, the nightlife, the cocaine, yeah. all that kind he of stuff. Plus, let's, let's, let's not forget, yeah. he was good. Yeah. Oh, he was God. good in college, absolutely. He may be in our transfer portal I mean, well, at some wow. point or another. Honestly, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that mm-hmm. someone would pee all that away, which is what he did. And we've had other examples of it, but that's basically what he did. And it's so funny, we're having this exercise about Trevor. That was a first-round draft pick mm-hmm. that Jerry Jones badly wanted and almost took, and that Cleveland felt like they couldn't help but take. Uh, same year that Blake comes here, and they looked at Blake and said he's the one with the least dings and the biggest size and, and ceiling, and so that's why they went in that direction. But just imagine. Well, see, there, there's a reason why um, NFL teams, uh, they have pr- investigators on guys yeah. in college. Right. Because they, they want to equate your character. Uh, while and, and they ask questions, your head coach, position coach, weightlifting guy. And then they, they put guys, you know, on campus to follow some of these guys. I know they did when I was at Miami. Right. They, they want to know what kind of character you are because they want to know if you party too much, do you hang out, do you chase women, do you spend money, da, 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 whatever, because that you're doing all that now with no money. What's going to happen when you get some money? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it might have been 21 Jump Street keeping an eye on Johnny because they should have been able to figure that He's, out. Let me, yeah, let me tell you this. They should have been able to. He, I think we all forget just how good he was. I can still remember Mike Stoops telling me the problem with him is he has an answer. No matter what you do, he has an answer. Mm-hmm. So he can throw the ball accurately. He runs four three. Well, he's he the moves he makes as a runner. He said he always has an answer. And yeah. that's think about that. If you're playing somebody like that at the most important position on the field, they've always got an answer. Yeah, I I just think of the investigators. How in the hell did they didn't find out that this guy was sitting in hotel rooms getting stacks for signing stacks of cards, and they couldn't they couldn't figure that part out. But he and Mahomes, not unlike each other in terms of dynamic players. Oh, yeah, yeah. But one guy. But one guy's also a lot faster than the other guy, yeah. too. And, and, but the other guy said, I'm playing within the rules. Right. I, I, I'm going to govern myself. But to oh, your point, the way, the, way Mahomes, the way Mahomes can play, the way he played in college, the way he throws, you know, different platforms, yeah. same thing. Oh, my Same God. player. Bro, bro, he was a phenomenon. I, I remember when I became a fan of Johnny Mizzou was in that game of Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Mm-hmm. He literally took over that game. He was incredible. I, I, I became a fan right there. When you go yeah. in the big, bad Tuscaloosa yeah. and play the way you played against that Alabama team and win, I was like, oh, I'm a fan. Absolutely yeah. a fan. Yeah, something else. All right, so jumping on that, if you saw any of that from Club Shea Shea, uh, 641-1010, you can hit the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. We've got one more segment to go with Leon. We are with you until 3, which means we do have to hit our transfer portal mm-hmm. rankings, yeah. do we not? Yeah, we just need to revisit it because we definitely had fun with it yesterday and revisit it just a little bit as far as some of the reaction. But the great transfer portal debate, we'll try and keep it going each week with a different position and then i i we mentioned those trevor numbers we may table those and bring them back next uh tomorrow because it seems like we will have a trevor topic throughout the entire off season that's for sure uh it's xl prime time grilling up lunch with leon and the sausage dudes sausage with a purpose on 1010xl big source has got his great transfer portal debate debate weekly right here on xl prime time it's imagining if you went back in time and there was a transfer portal then, like there is now, how hard would it be to keep the superstars of college football that, imagine this, they, they played 
every year for the same university, which is just crazy. But if they were in the transfer portal, who would you go get? And just repeat the five that you threw at us yesterday, or actually a half dozen you threw at us yesterday. Pretty yeah. stellar. All right. Well, we got Michael Crabtree, Larry Fitzgerald, Peter Ward, Randy Moss, Devontae Smith, and Jamar Chase. And that is the top wide receivers, at least one group of top. We can do this mm-hmm. multiple times during the offseason. Are you ready for the results from our question of the day brought to you by Beaver Toyota from yesterday, Leon? Let's do it. So you only can have four options on X. So mm-hmm. it's Devontae Smith, Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Peter Warwick. Mm-hmm. 233 voters. 69.1% cast their vote for Randy Moss. Nice. That would have been my pick. Yeah. Although P- Peter Warwick was dynamic. See, now I'll give you – Now I'll give you. so when you do this, every time we do yeah. this a week, I'll do, I'll do my own on X, okay? Okay, what you got? Mm-hmm. So I had Crabtree, Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, and Peter Warwick. Mm-hmm. Four, over 4,000 votes, and wasn't close. Peter Ward. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Mm. Wow. 46%. Next was Julio at 27-7. Next was Peter Ward at 13-7, and then Michael Crabtree at 11.9. My yeah. personal favorite is you had a reply that said, it's Crabtree if Mike Leach is coaching. Yeah, yeah, mm. true. And it's so funny because Crabtree doesn't get nearly the respect that he deserves because Julio was playing on a big-time stage. It's funny that Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's but, not, but and that's not really recency yeah. bias either. Yeah. That's weird not, that he that not. he won that big. Yeah, because I was well, thinking um, just a, maybe a little recency, but no. Yeah, but, you know, it's also hard for the fan not to be NFL biased mm-hmm. because yeah. of what you see. You know, that's true. I mean, you, you try to, you try to uh, centralize it to college football, but, you know, I even caught myself. I you know, remember Randy Moss when he was in the NFL, even though I do – Remember how dynamic he was at Marshall, yeah. even though he wasn't playing anybody. At <laughs> my Hayes said he wasn't playing anybody. And it's so funny though, we did go through those we guys. Liberty, for God's sake, it wasn't Liberty Ball State. And, and our next, our next one, whenever we do it, we'll have a little fun with the other ones that were mentioned because we had the mm-hmm. Rocket mentioned, Tim Brown mentioned, Torrey Holt. I threw up there. I mm-hmm. definitely think he was one of the great receivers that we saw. But there's so many good ones that we have yeah, seen. Some we have, we have, yeah. we don't remember either. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there's, there are some like. I mean, Mike Johnson was a great one mm-hmm. at USC. Remember how good he was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Williams. Yeah, Mike Williams. Sorry, yeah. Michael Williams. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Like I, so there are guys that we're not even thinking of right now. Right. That, that you should be thinking. Heck, the great Troy Edwards. He was a catch machine. Yeah. He was, he was a lower classification. The same argument that we talk about. But he was a who was baller, his QB? Could catch anything. Who was his QB? You got mm-hmm. it. You have who? or no? Yeah. Do you have who his QB was? Tim Rattay. Uh, Tim Rattay. Yeah, that's right. Tim Rattay. And he yeah. went – was he – and then was it Ramsey after him? I'm trying to remember. That, yeah. No, no, Ramsey was Tulane, so he was not – yeah. But he wasn't – yeah, Rattay he was, was not La Tech. Yeah. La Tech. Yeah, he was La Tech. Yeah, was a couple of Louisiana kids. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, so many great ones. And, heck, it led us to – some of the great stat machines when it came to the quarterbacks, too. But we'll just keep cycling through them. So next week in the great transfer portal debate? Uh, we're going to do tight ends. Tight ends next mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Something like tells it. me there will be a cane or two. Uh, mm-hmm. There definitely will be a cane for sure. All right. So let's look forward to uh, that coming up. Uh, you know what? I think I'll just throw this out there right now and, and look to see if um, our, our man Denmark is ready to go with a little uh, from the Atlantic. To the Pacifico! Do you have that, sir? Do you have that ready to go? 
I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. I love, oh. it. I love it. I love it. I just wanted to see what his reaction would be. We are putting Denmark right now through we the are. griller, man. It's not fair either. Yep, it's we are trying fair. to find he out. May, he may be like, yeah, uh, somebody else want to take over for this while yeah, I do some track stuff? Actually, what he's probably thinking right now is, Joe, you could have said something during the break. Yeah. And also that. Look for hey. it. And <laughs> I'm usually at practice at this time, man. We're working on some jumps or something. Because I saw I saw JJ you know, carefully go over the list with him, and so I just wanted to spring this one on just to see if he was ready to go. But then I realized my line is from the Atlantic to the Pacifico that J.J. somewhere over the Atlantic right now is going, oh, damn, I forgot to tell him about the Pacifico. So here's what it is. It's perfecto. And you're trying to get the question right. Uh, Usually we have is. a little island music playing yeah. on, uh, underneath Denmark yeah. if you see that anywhere in the bed. Yeah, we'll, we'll rehearse all this next time, next go around. <laughs> I just wanted to see if he was awake, that's all, uh, because he's working double shift uh, with Jaguars today and with us. But Pacifico. A beautiful Mexican lager. It was found in Baja, imported by surfers for those who live life anchors up. All right, so we mentioned a little bit of the combine yesterday, and Mia's heading there next week. And, of course, the schools that we asked yesterday, teams, Leon, that had more players invited to the combine than actual wins. And it was Arkansas and Illinois. They Mm. both had – Less wins than players going to the combine. By the way, so did Michigan. Just FYI, mm-hmm. yeah. So did Michigan has more. I mean, Michigan. Yeah, had, shout out to the texter on Michigan the text had 15 line wins and they got 18 guys in, in mm-hmm. the combine. A new record. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, well, that savage stole one of my questions. So uh, let's just uh, see if we can pivot from that one. Perfecto. Hey, Thank there you it very is. much. Mm. All right. So this is not perfecto, but since that savage just took one. Uh, who's second, and then I'm going to move on from there. Most invites to the yeah, combine. Yeah. Um, who's second? Uh, who's second? Ohio's... Michigan, a record 18 players. There it is. Thank you, Denmark. Well, a lot of those Ohio State guys came back. That's the difference. Yeah. Mm. Texas? Washington? I'm trying to think of playoff teams. Oregon? Oregon's a good one, too. Texas A&M. Have we hit it yet? Yes, somebody has hit it. Oh, but I'm just okay. letting them, just as you guys are vamping, I'm mm-hmm. just, uh, just kind of watching, just seeing what's going on here. LSU. Oh, we hit it already. Well, someone's hit it already. Okay. Just so got to come it. back to it, circle back, and somebody Oregon, make their, Washington, Texas. Make their choice. Somebody make their choice. Texas A&M. I'm going to make my choice. It's I'm going to say Texas. Oregon. I'm going to say Texas. It's Washington. Oh, my oh. God. Oh. Very nice. And Mia said it twice. So, But I was hoping she'd drill down on it and stay there. But, yeah, Washington, which also is a testament to what Kalen DeBoer has done because we had this big discussion yesterday. Will he be able to do it in Tuscaloosa? Well, they will have 13 players mm. at the Combine. 13. And so I don't know if this is a dumb question or not, but I understand, Leon, if you have a really good football team, then more are going to be invited to the Combine. But is that the only reason more people get invited to the Combine? Or Because these scouts, are they're truly looking for who they think has the best chance to make their roster, right? Well, listen, the scouts, first and foremost, they, they want – every team in the NFL wants winners. Mm-hmm. And, and when your team wins, collectively, you know, you get more guys to go to the Combine. You know, you, Michigan, Washington, they're in the – you know, mm-hmm. so I, I – that was always the sentiment there at Miami when I was there is that the NFL ain't going nowhere. You win football games, they'll come looking for you. Right. You know, right. so that 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 should be that should be the sentiment for any team. You know, collectively you win ball games, 
you win championships, you're in the playoffs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The NFL is going to find you because they want they want that that criteria of player yeah. in their locker room. And, and Matt, go back real quick before we head to the two o'clock hour because Kellen DeBoer has only been at Washington for a short amount of time, but to have thirteen not cats but thirteen dogs. Two years. He's there. Yeah. Two years. Did, did he get them all? Did he? Well, I mean, Jimmy Lake was a great recruiter. Okay, but just was not a good head coach. Let's just put it that way. Okay, <laughs> and then and and Kalen got some of those guys there. There's no doubt about that. But it was, was able to bring core of that and... team was the guys that Jimmy Lake recruited. Okay, all right. So uh, I think maybe uh, Tuscaloosa is wondering that more than anything else. Is that two years success? Can he recruit? Did he bring those guys in? Previous coach definitely had brought. Yeah, I'm some, just gonna some. Some studs into that yeah, program. I, I'm until I'm proven wrong. I'm just going to say I, I the guy's track record is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you wouldn't think he wouldn't do the same thing in Alabama. Right, so until right. until proven wrong otherwise, that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's the way. Uh, if I'm telling anybody that roots for the uh, Crimson Tide, is mm-hmm. that what are your choices in terms of hiring the best coach out there to replace a a legend, a goat, not just a superstar, but a goat. Uh, there were only so many of them that you would choose, and he's looks like pretty good stock right now. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. First season as the OC at Indiana, nine win mm-hmm. Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah. That culminated with a bowl game victory here in Jacksonville. Yeah. And, and, and Not the, too shabby. And then take a look at what they were before and what they were Actually, after. they lost the bowl game, but yeah. that's besides they the got, point. They got screwed out of the it was a ten, one point Big game. Ten championship game that year, too. Also that. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I, yeah, I guess I just mean Tom Allen. It was a nice story. Yeah, and, great story. Right, because yeah. what did Tom Allen do after he left? Yeah, that's what I say. Before and or after. And for what it's worth, don't forget, who was the D.C. that year? Oh, mm-hmm. Kane Womack, mm-hmm. who's the D.C. at, Al- at Alabama moving mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Womack. Yeah, so. and so if you find the right. Tom Allen, by the way, you knew D.C. at Penn State, just FYI. Oh, is he? I like that story. I really did. Uh, heck, when they made it to the Gator Bowl, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, I've never seen more coveralls in my life. Combined. Combined. Combined red right. and orange. Right. It was Tennessee, Indiana. And I'm telling you, some mash whiskey and a lot of coveralls. They were overalls. Yeah. Coveralls. He calls them the coveralls. <laughs> yeah, they're coveralls. Actually, you know what? I take that back. They should cover more. Right. They weren't they, covering yeah, all. That yeah. was the point. They, they should cover more. That is an excellent point. Uh, that Indiana team, so nine wins again. My apologies to the UT fans out yeah. there. Yes, they won the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl that year mm-hmm. on January 2nd, 23-22. Mm-hmm. Their wins over Ball State, Eastern Illinois, did get routed by Ohio State, beat UConn, lost to Michigan State, who was ranked at the time, wins over Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern. They lost to Ole Miss in the, in the Outback Bowl, right, that year, Indiana did. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. no in, this is Indiana lost to Tennessee yeah. in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. 2020? Yeah, yeah, 2019. No, yeah. 2020 was when was when. Oh, that was, that year yeah. was even better too. Yeah. 2020 was when was when Penix had a huge season for mm-hmm. them. So 2020, well, 2019 they, they won they nine got, games. That's when they yeah. got hosed out Three of the games. Hosed out of the Big Ten championship. Yeah, games. they were six and two oh, okay. in 2020, which of course Ohio was they'd only played six games. Right, mm-hmm. they, that was the abbreviated season. They beat a 23rd ranked Michigan. They beat an eighth ranked Penn State in overtime. Their only loss was to Ohio State, as Matt alluded to, on a touchdown that was questionable. They beat a 16th-ranked Wisconsin. And again, the OC of that 2020 Indiana outfit was, oh, wait. Oh, wait. The plot thickens. Yeah, he'd already left. Yeah. 
Kalen DeBoer had left. Matt, yeah. uh, remind us, who was the he OC? Was the, he was the Fresno State coach at that point. Uh, Nick Sheridan, Nick Sheridan yeah. was the OC. And guess who is the co-OC Pull of Alabama? Together. Pull them together. Kane Womack was still the DC that year, yeah. too. So he has good guys around him. So we'll see what happens. All right, Big Sir, speaking of good guys, we got good guys around us like you, and you enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Nice job. And if you don't see Miami playing ball on the television, you will not suffer tonight. Okay? I won't. I won't. All right, he is out. He is out. Now, we're going to bring hoops back up uh, because our man Mark Wise, we will crank up uh, our Mondays in March with Mark uh, coming up, but we figured we'd definitely get with him after a great game last night. Overtime thriller between the Gators and the Crimson Tide with Alabama coming out on top. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Our man, Mark Wise, we definitely love visiting and talking hoops with a dude that knows it all. He joins us right now in the 2 o'clock hour after the Gators lose an overtime thriller to the Crimson Tide. Mark, how are you, bud? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, listen, always appreciate the intel. You make us smarter by being on with us. You know that, and we don't even have to debate it. But the the way the game unfolded last night with Florida hitting threes early and on right. the road and playing with such confidence, how did you think the game played out from the way it started? Well, uh, first of all, uh, Alabama, last time I checked, uh, make 12-and-a-half threes a per game in league play. Florida held them under that. Um, I thought Florida uh, had sold out on the three-point line, and uh, rightfully so. You want to, If you're going to go on the road and win this kind of game uh, against somebody in the top ten of Ken Palm and every other metric, um, you've got to complete it for 40 minutes, and Florida you know, you know, misses shots at the very end of regulation. Uh, you know, Clayton has a wide open three point look, uh, Pullen, uh, they get the offensive rebound. Pullen has a more difficult two point shot. They don't go in. And so you don't win. And, uh, when they won at Kentucky, Clayton arguably had a harder three point shot to put the game in overtime. He makes it. And that's the difference in our game right now. I mean, um, the, dif- the, the difference between being ranked sixth in the country and 36 in the country is one possession. I thought it was a great game. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a dog in the race, great game. I was a little surprised to, to find that Florida actually won the three point differential, but I was equally surprised that Alabama kind of had its way on the offensive glass against, against a really good rebounding Florida team. Yeah. I said, I noted Mark that two weeks ago when they beat Kentucky, John Calipari said part of why he couldn't foul them was, well, they're such a good offensive rebounding team, and you don't right. want to let that situation play out in the final waning minutes. And while we have you on the line, a bit of breaking news. Um, Muhammad, it's Wagyu, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to make sure I was pronouncing that right, not like the steak, um, is going to be suspended by the SEC for his uh, elbow hit on Alex Condon last night. That's according to Florida right. Basketball the Hour. People's elbow. The people's elbow, as uh, as Matt Hayes is calling it. <laughs> so a bit of news there, a bit, a bit of a that, as Mark Wise joins us on the All-Pro Roofing Hotline. But in summation, Mark, when we look at the Gators and what they've been able to cobble together over the last few weeks – the offense certainly sells headline, or you know, sells tickets, but the defense, I think, is where maybe question marks still exist. Of course, beyond the free throw line, where I know they've had some struggles as well, or at least certain players. Yeah. Well, I'll answer that this way: um, 
coach, if you ask any coach, what do you have to do to win tonight, coach? They're all going to regurgitate the same thing. We have to defend and rebound. We got to defend and rebound. No, you don't. No, you do not. Not in this day and age of offensive basketball. You've got to first and foremost make shots. I would even argue that rebounding comes in second and defending comes in third. Now, I'm not saying that you can win games with no defense. I'm not saying that. You have to have a defensive presence. Florida has that in terms of rim protectors. They're not very good at guarding the ball at times, and as a consequence, they get put in rotations, and nobody wants to do that defensively. But um, is there anybody that didn't watch the game last night and think it was like maybe the best game of the year in the SEC? Would you say Alabama played great defense? Uh, I just think that more big-time games are lost because you couldn't score versus you couldn't defend. Yep, totally agree. Mark, um, you know, we've heard a lot of complaining about NIL and player movement in, in all sports, really, in college sports. Um, right, right. But I, I was watching that game last night, and I started thinking, you know what? Without NIL and player movement, nobody knows Grant Nelson. And he had 22, right. eight rebounds, and six blocks last night, Mark. Yeah. He is an elite player, and no one knows him, but now they know him because he's at Alabama. So there is some right. positives for this, right? Yeah, I guess one of them. Now, there's not many positives if you're the coach. Um, at North Dakota you, State, you know, at right. At mid-major. Right, right, of course. I, I had Quinnipiac earlier in the year, Tom Pecora, who is he, he's such a riot to talk to. He said, look, we understand we're a triple-A and, and that the big guys are going to come in and poach our players. I mean, I had a, a, a mid-major coach tell me last year that after they had a big upset over a Power 5 team, his players are on the bus after the game showing him the text messages. Tampering. Wow. So I don't like that part of it, but and I don't like the two-time transfer rule. I think everybody should be able to transfer one time and be immediately eligible. I, I'm not a uh, I'm not a believer in the grad transfer. Just you get one time. Period. Right. right. Yeah, it, it would be great, and I don't know whether that is around the corner, but some simple fixes. Uh, they sound impossible right now. I mean, Walter Clayton was yeah. at Iona last yeah, year, yeah. right? Yeah. Now yeah. he's if Florida's a, best player. If it's around the corner, it's a big corner. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we're talking with mark wise uh you can definitely find him on social you can find him uh when it comes to the uh, espn family of networks uh working the analyst uh, quite often in a lot of big ball games and we're going to definitely travel with you uh through march madness but the other thing that jumped out at me mark is that even though they did not win um this was their first loss in ot uh they have won three ball games out of four in overtime right. so I, I do think that does speak to todd golden understanding and keeping them uh, in the moment and, and, and the understanding that, hey, hell yeah, we can win. I think there's some validity to that. Uh, you know, their record against quad one now is two and eight, but five of the eight are by five points or less. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, not, it's not a matter of not being close. Um, that being said, your record is two and eight, bottom line. It's like coaches complaining about their strength of schedule when they go, well, we didn't know that when we scheduled them. Well, okay. 
Here's the schedule is what it is, period. So that's going to come back and hurt South Carolina in terms of their seeding. And South Carolina's schedule down the stretch here is brutal anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to hurt Ole Miss, and, and you're going to say, well, we didn't know we were going to be this good. Well, in the transfer portal days, you can get pretty good pretty quick. And I come back to this. I think the piece of the puzzle for Todd Golden that makes all the other pieces fit, and if you've seen me on a broadcast this year, uh, I've said this repeatedly, Zion Pullen is really, really (laughs) good. He is next-level good. Yeah, I think Joe says it at least once a program. Whenever we bring up Florida basketball, that's that's his guy. So he's subscribing to the book of Mark. Um, Mark, I I do want to run through with you about, you know, just a litany of great games on the horizon this weekend. But first, let's talk big picture. We already ran through earlier in the program Andy Katz's projected seeds, projected number of teams and bids per conference. The SEC expected to have nine bids. The ACC, as of now, has four. I ran through at the top of the 12 o'clock hour, Mark, the litany of reasons why Virginia, Clemson, question marks abound, even if the committee said over the weekend they did consider Clemson for a four seed. And, of course, they will play Florida State this weekend. I'm curious, do you think the ACC bias is simply – talking heads like myself who saw how the league began conference play and began the year and says that they're no good? Or do you really think the ACC has an identity crisis on its hands? Well, I think maybe a little bit of both because the, the way that they started the season is factual. It's not an opinion. Um, that being said, you Clemson's in. Clemson is, is it, forget it. They have too many quad one wins. They're in. Uh, Virginia's a little bit more dicey uh, in terms of, uh, I think I looked and saw that isn't their strength of schedule really poor in the non-conference, which is kind of unusual for a Tony Bennett squad. Yeah, because Cats has them as a nine seed now. Yeah, so they're down. I I think, yeah, they're in, but they're not what we would call a lock. I'm telling you, Clemson's a lock Mm -hmm. uh, with the number. Remember, Clemson has a win at Alabama. Only home loss on the year, so um, I think they uh, different teams did not pan out uh, for whatever reason, and as a consequence, the quality of depth in the league is not as good. And then they've had some changeovers, changeover in terms of coaches, and and um, you know Notre Dame is not Notre Dame of the past, and so on and so forth. That's one example. So, yeah, I think the beginning of the season hurt. Um, they've got a little bit of identity crisis, but North, North Carolina is as good as anybody. I think they're going to be in the mix for a deep run in the tournament. Mark, can you – you're looking at the SEC now, allegedly with nine teams, right? All right, let's say they get the yeah. nine. What happens once the tournament begins? Can that filter into the tournament? Do they start to win games at that point? Well, you know, that's the million-dollar question, and you almost always have to see, well, who do they play and who might they meet in, in the next round. Here's what I will say to you guys. So a quick quiz for you, and this illustrates, I think, how deep the league is this year. What team in the SEC has the most quad one wins as of today? South Carolina? 
We know it was A&M last time because I thought it was South Carolina and it was A&M last time. Is it still A&M? It's still A&M wow. at 6-7 and seven in the league. I think that speaks volumes, doesn't yeah. it, to how yeah. good the league is? I'll use Tennessee as another example. You know, t- Tennessee w- was in a, a tussle the other night at Missouri, and um, I, I read two or three different accounts of the game, and I'm watching the game. And in the second half, uh, Missouri, uh, uh, the, the accounts I read talk about, you know, you're in Tennessee d- defense, you know, rose up in the second half. Missouri actually shot better in the second half than they did in the first half. The difference for Tennessee this year is a guy by the name of Dalton Connect. Yep. And when with about 15 minutes to go in the game, he 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 decided, okay, this game's gone on long enough. Yeah. And he can do things for uh, that they haven't had a player. I'm maybe since Allen Houston. Because, I mean, uh, Grant, well, those... Grant Williams really wasn't a scorer. No, no. Like, Grant Williams wasn't wired this way. This guy can, can get his own. He's strong enough, long enough to, to, to drive to the basket. He's got great depth on his three-point shot. So that's going to be the difference. And that's why I think Tennessee is much better built for NCAA tournament success because they hit. They, they have an offensive weapon now. All right, Mark, before we let you go, we have three inter-top 25 matchups over the next three days. And, of course, plenty let, of rank- – Let me tell you who's going to win. Yeah, well, that's, I was just going to say, for those who are trying to get into that basketball fever, what's a good game coming up in the next 48 hours? Because there's a whole heck of a lot of them on the slate. Right on that, we lost Mark. Did we lose Mark. Wow. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. We lost you for a brief second. I was worried we weren't going to get your picks. All right, the big games. You got to give me the game. Okay. All right, so let's start with tonight, of course. Um, Wazoo, one of the best stories in college basketball, what they've been able to do up there uh, in the upper northwest corner of the United States, taking on number four Arizona in Tucson. And then, of course, uh, the boogeyman for Purdue, if you can believe it, Rutgers coming to town in West Lafayette this evening. Those aren't even challenges. (laughs) You think Purdue and Arizona are are Final Four caliber teams? I will say this. Is there a team in the country who's playing with more pressure on their back as you head to March than Purdue? Is there a coach in the country who's coaching with more pressure than what Matt Painter is having to go through right now? I don't think so. No. But they're gonna they're gonna easily win over Rutgers tonight. All right, awesome. And then of course this weekend, uh, Houston at Baylor, and the other uh, interranked matchup is one I know you'll have your eye on. The same Alabama Crimson Tide yeah. travel to Lexington, Kentucky, coming off of that upset at the hands of LSU last evening. Well, let me work backwards. Um, Kentucky um, is. Is such an interesting case. They haven't played as well at home as they played on the road. Um, that win at, at Auburn, obviously, was, I thought, the best 40 minutes I've seen Kentucky play on both ends of the floor. They'll need to revert back to that. Um, I think that game's going to come down. Can Kentucky keep up with Alabama at the three-point line? Mm-hmm. Uh, the three-point differential will determine who wins that game. Kentucky, I'm going to say, needs to be within seven or eight points in three-point differential. 
In terms of um, now, the harder one is the uh, is it Houston at Baylor? Yeah, Houston Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. The, did you watch the Baylor BYU game the other night? Late night. I didn't get a chance night. to watch that. Oh my goodness, was that and a great atmosphere there in Provo. Um, Walton is one of the better freshmen in the country, um, but Houston's style of play travels well. I'm going to say Houston by one possession. So, oh, man, get, can you get me a ticket to that game, by the way? Uh, uh, yeah, we'll get you jetted there and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, I got listen. a one o'clock game on Saturday. I can get there. It's hey, okay. I know he can. I know he can. Hey, listen, good stuff, man. We look forward to our Mondays uh, in March with Mark. Uh, always appreciate your time, big bro. And even though it says M whoops, like it's a mistake, it's MW hoops. Okay. Uh, thanks, man. Great job, Mark. Right, thanks, Thank everybody. You. All right, Mark Wise. All right, we'll keep it rolling. Uh, we'll go from hoops back to ball, and then we got our players' visit uh, with the tournament director, Lee Smith, coming up. Presented by Farrah and Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. This is XL Primetime. Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Putting a bow on our basketball coverage for today. The River City Rumble Part 2 tomorrow at Jacksonville University. Swisher Gymnasium officially sold out. And here's a saucy nug. Did you find a, that that uh, that noise? Saucy nug. Sauce. Yeah, oh, let's go, Denmark. Yeah. He's ready. He's ready to rumble over the next 10 days, filling in for J.J. LaSalva. Uh, Chaz Lanier, the standout 6'4 junior guard forward do-it-all player for the UNF Ospreys. The only player in college basketball right now with 20 dunks and 83s. That's pretty good. Second leading scorer <laughs> in the A-Sun as yeah. well. So that game tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And, of course, the Gators also in action on Saturday. That is pretty good. I like that. Uh, real quick, we got our, our man Lee Smith coming in, uh, executive director of the players, coming up in just a few minutes. Got a chance for you to win tickets to the players, too, so be listening for that. Uh, but just on the heels of what Mark Wise said, it's energy time, man, when it comes to hoops. Uh, so let's do the 10-10 take. Now, Joe C's 10-10 take. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pit masters since 68. They're up early, they're smoking it slow, and they're serving it fast. That's really what you want. Make sure you check out Sonny's all over the First Coast if you're craving good barbecue. And, you know, I don't mention those sides enough, but if you get some of those delicious barbecue beans, maybe the coleslaw, whatever else that you are into, garlic or cornbread, you'll love it all. Sonny's all over the First Coast. Now, this is like kind of a quasi uh, PSA, but I, I hear people say all the time, hey, I wait till the tournament or I wait till the playoffs begin. There's a lot of good hoop down the stretch from this point on. These last three weeks, the energy level, the scene and situations ramp up dramatically. So watch some college hoops. Everyone says coming out of football, they kind of go through that little period of time. They don't know what to watch. Watch some college hoops. There is a lot of good hoops going to be played from now all the way until they start cutting that cutting down nets in championship games. That is the 10 to take. Because I do think we take the regular season of the college basketball world for granted. I really do. Well, I think we just, we just zero in on the tournament because it's 
the tournament it's does gambling. it to us. I will agree with you. And it's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with but college basketball it. being like a six-week sport. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, but I'll lose. But there's I'll, better I'll, ball. I'll, to your point, there's better ball being played over three months if you watch it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you do see a lot of great – it's like we just said, Zion Pullen ain't going to be there forever, okay? He's a mm-hmm. redshirt senior. Uh, I don't know whether he has a super senior year left, but – this much we know is that he is short-lived as far as a Gator goes. He'll France or somewhere next year. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and he's just such an electrifying player. And you can go to Sears or you can go to any of the other guys that are out there. My point is is that we usually see these stars in the NCAA tournament. They're the superstars. You know, they're one and done and they're gone. Yeah. Watch a little regular season hoop. And I'll equate it to golf because we're going to say it a little Lee Smith coming up in a second. People gravitate to the five, six, seven big events in golf. There's great golf every single week. Just watch it. Soak it up because, you know, most of you are out there going, you know what, if it ain't football, it, it no, there's plenty of other stuff to watch. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, let's say hello to Lee Smith coming up here in just a second as we talk the players coming out of the weekend, one that we were hoping Tiger would be part of, but unfortunately he was not. This is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. We like to see our man, Lee Smith, roll into the 1010XL studios because it means we're getting closer and closer to the players. 18 days away. Lee, how you doing? Um, uh, we're doing well. We're yeah. doing well. We got, uh, we got all, the, all the nerves, anxiety, uh, excitement all, all rolled into one. Yeah, it, it's so funny because we say 18 days with enthusiasm and you say 18 days and go, wait a dang minute, I got a yeah. lot of things I got to get done. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, it's funny. There's been a couple of people in and around the – the building that have said, Hey, just for this year, I need a couple extra months. Is there any way you could push this back to May one more time? Yeah. That's not how the schedule works. No, no. (laughs) Uh, I think we should start before we look at the players just come out of this past week and Hideki Matsuyama, what an unbelievable performance. I know we didn't have tiger, but these high stakes events or atmospheres like we had at Riviera for Hideki to do what he did, Go out and shoot him a low number on Sunday and win. That was impressive. Absolutely. A, a signature event there that, um, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he's been playing better than he had in the past um, and then shoots 62 to really run away with it. And I thought it was interesting at the end. He said he didn't play well. <laughs> um, he he hit one shot to four inches and another yep. one to six inches coming down the stretch. Uh, and said he didn't play well, so that's certainly uh, scary for everybody else. I know Miranda noted when she visited with us on Helmets and Heels for so many at the tour, Will Zalatoris returning and trying to get to form and trying to get to that top 55 ranking in the world so he can play in the players was certainly a storyline a lot of you guys were watching. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, certainly an exciting player, young player um, that uh, you know you, you just hate to have to go through an injury like that and have surgery at such a young age and, and you're at, when you're uh, almost at the height of your career. But he's certainly no stranger to big-time tournament atmospheres, um, and so he would, be a, he would be an exciting person to, to see around the stadium course for sure. And, Matt, just to remind everybody, Zalatoris, he pulled out of the Masters last year just before his Thursday tee time, had to undergo a microdisectomy and basically said he tried to play – coming out of an injury the previous August and said, shutting it down this time, and basically sat out for months before he could come back. Right, right. One of the, one of the stars, the young stars of yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. All right, so we're 18 days out. I'm sure you're not sleeping well right now. Um, what's front burner right now as far as the operations of the, of the tournament? 
Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, continuing to <clears throat> manage, um, obviously, the ticket process. Um, we, uh, we, we focus on that, um, you know, daily to, uh, to take a look at making sure that, um, you know, we, we have the appropriate amount of people uh, on the golf course, but at the same time, make sure the spectator and fan experience is at the high level that, uh, that we want it to be. Um, you know, so, and the, and the community at large is supporting this tournament this year, like no other, we're, we're ahead of pace, That's good to hear. um, from a ticket standpoint, but, um, you know, all, all it takes is a, is a Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. um, thought in people's minds and that says, Hey, I better go get <laughs> right. my tickets now. Well, I, I did hatch my, my theory. I was bummed when I saw that he pulled out on Friday, but at least I threw out the possibility that since he didn't see four rounds of competition and he had the flu, that he might be ready to go to say, hey, let me see if I can't uh, go for four rounds and make a cut here. Yeah, I, you know, look, I think um, if if he certainly wants to prepare for Augusta mm-hmm. and using his words that he wants to play once a month, it, it certainly makes sense. Secondly, um, you know, he has, has taken ownership of his policy board seat uh, and has been a voice True. for the rest yeah. of the, the players with their player equity program and the partnership with SSG and all of those types of things. So, so his home tournament, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly he's had some, a fair amount of success the week before at, <laughs> at API, um, but certainly we'd love to have him. Um, but at the same time, Golf is just better with him on the golf course. Mm-hmm. We didn't even get to it earlier in the program. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the news that one Charlie Woods is playing in a qualifier as we speak at the first round down this morning to qualify for the Honda Classic? Or the, thought, Cognizant. Yeah. Yeah, the Cognizant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was very interesting um, and certainly exciting for the game. Um, what didn't surprise me is I saw, I think, on social media this morning that he was the first one to arrive to the driving range. Um <laughs> So certainly the the bloodlines travel uh, with hard work and determination and and digging it out of the dirt. So uh, certainly an exciting future. I don't know how he's playing today, but an exciting. I think it was like sixteen over, but at the same time it was it wasn't like he like saved bogey, saved par a couple yeah. of times. Hey, the name's Woods. We forget too. He's <laughs> right? what thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's, right. he's uh, yeah, and 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 you know continuing to grow and mature. He, I think I I read sometimes that people say he's not even the best fifteen year old in the you know it really doesn't matter. Um, there's a lot of the best fifteen year olds that didn't turn out, and there's not a lot right. of mid level fifteen year olds that that mature late. And um, you know the the thing is is he's got a a pretty good steward looking over his shoulder uh, to talk him through a lot of things. So the the, the process of the stadium going up. Um, the course is not closed, correct? Am I correct on that? Yes. Yep. All right. So where are you? At? Where are you at in that process right now? Yeah, uh, five hundred thousand square feet under tent um, is is where we'll end up. I mean, it's a village in itself. Uh, most every building is built, uh, and so now you're working on interiors and and signage. Um, you know, we we really focus hard on a, a very clean um, look and feel uh, on the golf course. So. Uh, the signage company and those types of things that are hanging those around the tents. Um, a lot of tours. Uh, a lot of our our partners are coming out and seeing their venues and what what's our look and 
uh, those types of things to how they're going to plan and, you and bring all their guests that deep. I, I try not to. I try not to. <laughs> I was um, going to ask you: Do you have your yeah. own Poxitani Phil uh, yeah, yeah. at TPC Sawgrass? I'm I'm hoping it rains next week <laughs> yeah. so that we feel like we can get that out of the way. I will say this: that I'm somewhat of a uh, superstitious person. That we are grinding on the weather plan. We're going to make sure everybody's got their rain suits ready oh, and yeah. all that because the more that we're prepared, the less chance we have of having anything happen. So, Which would be nice. Uh, we got it Friday of last year, and, and it ended up being fine. But still, let's just hope for a blazing good week of weather. Absolutely. All right, so let's just tell them real quick before we say goodbye, theplayers.com. That is the easiest way to go and navigate everything, but the most important things, making sure they have their tickets, making sure they're ready for the military appreciation and parking. Absolutely. I would uh, players.com. You can see all the information. Opening weekend, I think, is a great oh, time yeah, to yeah. come out. We uh, just had a call yesterday with the Jags. They're going to activate on that opening weekend and bring out some of their their uh, fandom and cheerleaders and those types of things, Tell which was a, a perfect way. Yeah. Opening weekend. Great opportunity for families to come out. We have our fan shop open mm-hmm. um, from uh, I believe it's 10 to 4. Maybe 11 to 5 on Friday, 10 to 4, 10 to 4 on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, but our fan shop's open for you to get those pieces early, wear them the following week. Uh, we have a lot of uh, events. We have our 17th hole challenge, so you and your kids can put a club in their hand and uh, take a shot at the old replica 17, and uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. And, of course, the fan shop will be open, and it will have plenty of the 50th anniversary apparel. Yeah. Absolutely. We're, we're excited about uh, the fan shop this year. We've... We've partnered uh, and done collaborations with Eastside Golf, uh, Malbon, uh, Breezy, Barstool Golf. You know, we, we, we have a lot of uh, collaborations there. Plus, that 50th anniversary is going to be a really exciting vignette. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I've been using the thing for anybody that it says, I can't come home with another shirt. Well, this is new. This logo is new. So it's uh, you can come That's home true. with this one. You can come home with this one. That is true. Um, and, we, and we've actually this year, sorry, we've, we've – um, We've got some uh, customized options. We're 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 trying something new this year where you can come in and buy a hoodie and have seven or eight different logos that and patches that you can put on that with different awesome. placements oh, and really cool. and really customize uh, with a heat transfer that happens right in front of you. I like that. I like that. All right, you guys check it out theplayers.com uh, and we have got a pair of tickets to the players for Thursday along with Top Dog Tavern. We've got a $50 gift card for there. I'm going to start throwing out trivia questions uh, that we can enjoy in the game of golf to see who can come up with the uh, correct answer. So, Lee, thank you very much uh, for hanging out with us. I'm going to see if you can answer this off air, okay? Uh Uh-oh, okay. So, Hideki Matsuyama wins this past week at Riviera. He is the champion at the Genesis Invitational. Where was his last top 10 finish on tour? Where was his last top 10 finish on tour? Six four one ten ten. Denmark has got you hooked up, but see if you can answer that question. Lee, thank you. Absolutely. As Appreciate always. it. Thanks for the support. XL Primetime. We're going to say hello to the Frangie Show. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Frank Frangie joins us now. we got the Frangie Show ready to roll. Frank, um, o- overtime, I mentioned it to oh. Mark Wise earlier. The Gators are three and one in overtime. That's the first loss in overtime. But what a hell of a game! What a game it was. I mean, that, that that's two. That was two heavyweights last night. Now yeah. that that's two. That's, that's what two, they become three. suddenly. Yeah, and I, and I will tell you this, and I, I agree with what John Rothstein tweeted. If the the ones and the twos don't want Florida to become a nine or a ten, mm-hmm. you know that because you know, you, I mean, you don't want that. You right. they, if you're if you're the one 
Uh, you don't want to play. That's not yeah. the eight you want to play. Right. I mean, right. and maybe there's more parity. I know, obviously, me, you follow it closely. Maybe there's more parity than there's been. But that's not that, – and, and I'm not saying they're going to go beat UConn or whoever or right. Purdue. But that's not – They a, could beat Arizona. But they could. And that's not an eight you want to play. No, I can't imagine them being an eight either. By yeah, the end yeah, of think, the next think, three you, weeks, I think like they'll Like, Cats had them yeah, at a I, seven. I, hear you. I, I think, said it yeah. to these guys. Last week I was doing a little preview piece, and I was shocked when South Carolina, who at the time was the 11th-ranked team in the country, and that was before they lost twice last week – I was shocked to see that with the 15th best odds to cut down the nets and win the national title, tied with South Carolina, the Florida Gators. Yeah. This was yeah. last week. Even what? Yeah, even before. Right. I was stunned. Yeah, I was like, so. there, there's got to be some sort of error here. No. So that, that was a heck of a game last night. We'll talk a little bit of hoop. We'll talk some JUUNF hoop today. They play. They got a week off before the Rumble. We'll get to that. Maddie, what are we doing with this playoff? I mean, now now we may go to 14, 14 yep. in two by years. By tomorrow, it's going to be 28. Yeah, but, well, let me – and I said two days ago, even before this stuff started coming out, that it would be 16 before you know it. But 14's dumb. If you're going to – if you're not going to be 12, maybe 16. Can you, you have any say in that? Call somebody. Call I Sankey. I no saying it, but, Sankey's I, but your my guy. guess is it's – Sankey's your – My no, guess no, is – No, Sankey's his guy. <laughs> yeah. Call, have you called Sankey? Call Sankey. My oh, guess is they're you. trying to basically model the NFL. Yeah, but 14 still. Okay, but real quick. I mean, for, okay. for that league, it's done. Get this. Well, you're right. Good point. How the H do you go to a 5-7 and then days later add two? Yeah. How? Well, who because, did that? Well, remember, it was a 6-6 six, six until the, the, the Pac-12 right. blew the up. Then it became a 5-7. But I, I think I, they're getting – they're going to land at 16-20. to 20. That's where they're ultimately going to land. But it, it, I guess my point is, and I always joke yeah. around, they're dealing with NASCAR rules right now. Yeah. I mean, this is just like making I stuff agree. up. Well, they kind of are. So, yeah. uh, so we'll talk all about that, all about the hoops coming up, a little bit about fathers and sons in sports, all of it. Thanks, guys. All right, sounds good, Frank. Uh, and, and Matt will probably get in on it a little bit more tomorrow. But the idea of finally deciding on what a 12-team playoff format looks like for a, for only two years. It, so, it sounds nutty. There's no doubt. And then but, they, they add two teams but in two at days. At the end of the day, they have to find revenue to pay the players. And they're paying the players. It's just a matter of when. Well, I, I, anyway, we'll get into that. Right. I mean, it's, I, just, it's I, just, I agree. It's, it's nutty. I yeah, agree. Yeah. But, that, but they're looking at it future. Yeah. They well, have to find a way. It's like I told you in the pre-show. How about you guys start paying people, and then we'll figure it out instead right. of adding more teams? Because all it is yeah, but right the key now is to go as long as you can without paying. Right, them. all it is is continue is adding, to make as much money as you can. Yeah, they're just right. adding more revenue for their own pockets right now. All right, we are done. It just cracked me up. That's for sure. All right, done. Thank you for listening. You got the Francis Show coming up next. Josie, Mia, O'Brien, Maddie, Hayes, Big Sirson, Denmark with us for the next ten days on XL Prime.